0: Hello, Alex Zane here. Thank you for choosing to listen to Just The Facts. And while you can still enjoy these episodes forever, you might want to check out our brand new show, A Trip to the Movies, where each week a different famous film fan curates their perfect night out at the cinema, picking what snacks they'd eat, where they'd sit, who they'd go with, and of course, what movies they'd screen. If you love cinema as much as we do, search A Trip To The Movies with Alex Zane or head to our socials at TripToMoviesPod. That's at TripToMoviesPod to find out more. Hello and welcome to Just The Facts, the podcast that takes a journey through the CV of a different actor or filmmaker every week to uncover some fascinating facts about their career. But not this week. No, this week, it's a very special week. A very special week because as some of you may remember, back on episode eight in July, I had the brilliant Rahul Kohli on the show. And we got onto the subject of his upcoming series, Midnight Mass, which, as you're no doubt aware, if you're listening to this, came out on Netflix 11 days ago. Back in July, everything was still under wraps. We could not talk about it, but there was already an excitement building because it was coming from the genius mind and vision of Mr. Mike Flanagan. Well, it turns out that excitement was justified because Midnight Mass is brilliant. It's been hailed as This beautiful, compelling piece of work that deals with some huge themes. Faith, love, guilt, addiction, fanaticism, corruption, and vampires. And now we get to talk about it with the man who was right in the middle of it, because Rahul Coley is back on Just The Facts for our Midnight Mass spoiler special. Yep, we're going through some of the key moments and themes of the series, and we're discussing in detail his character, Sheriff Hassan, how he developed him and that iconic look. Obviously, I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it because I don't want to get into trouble if someone says, you should have said, I didn't know, I listened. Don't listen to this show. Do not listen to this show. If you haven't seen Midnight Mass yet, just go away and watch it right now because there are some spoilers, Obviously. There are some spoilers in this. There's stuff that will just ruin it for you. And it's such a fantastic series. It's seven episodes. Go watch it and then come back and then listen to this. But do come back and listen because we're going to get into this genius piece of television pretty deep and Rahul's iconic performance, which is just one of so many amazing performances in this show, a show that... It's heartbreaking at times, horrifying at times, but also beautiful and uplifting. It gets under your skin. I watched it 10 days ago, and I'm still thinking about it now. Right, just before we do get into our discussion, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are at JTFPod. And remember, you can watch this full interview Watch it on our JTF Pod YouTube channel when it's released this Friday. And if you do like the show, please do take the time to rate and review us as it's a massive help on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. But right now, let's get into this. Please welcome back to Just The Facts, the wonderful Raul Coley for our Midnight Mass spoiler special. Hey, good morning, by the way. Morning how's the uh, how's the sleep schedule Are you have you been up a while i've been
2: i have today yeah i've been filming um so my i've been getting up at 5 a.m and 6 a.m and stuff so i haven't uh, only wrapped a couple of days ago so i'm still on that kind of i'm passing out at like 10 p.m at the moment and stuff so it's been healthy i guess <laughs> uh, but i'm not getting any gaming done
0: <laughs> good so you've been busy then yeah actually literally back uh, back working a lot. busy busy? Yeah, yeah,
2: a couple of projects and um, I start prepping today uh, for a new one um, which hasn't been announced, uh, but yeah, so I start training, I've got personal trainer at one, and I've got a few months to, to do the, to do the character work. So it's my favorite
0: time. I love it when that when this bit starts. And do you like it then? Tell me, do you actually like it when uh, when you have to personal train? Because I always think that if I was in a position where someone said to me, "Look, um, you need to you need to get in shape for this," mm. there is a there's a re- there's a reason that you need mm. to be fit. I'd be like, "This is amazing," because I would never do it off my own back. I don't have that instinct. Yeah, same, same. I mean, <clears throat>
2: i I need that extra motivation. I. I find that the only way to make me care about something is to relate it to a character, or I I won't do it or take care of it. Um, like I, there's certain dental things I need to get done, which mm. needed to get done for about a year and a half. And then when I read the script, I was like, "Oh, this guy's got good teeth." <laughs> so dentist appointment was called today. Like that. So everything comes down to that. So it's 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 um, yeah. I use it as motivation, but I also I also find that. One, I have to care because, <clears throat> and I've done this, uh, you can see a very big difference uh, in my prep and how I show up when I am not, when it doesn't hit here, when it's not, do you know what I mean? There's, I, I'm still professional, but there's a big difference between something I, I genuinely care about uh, and something that is work. And this is some this project uh, is something I genuinely care about. So I want to throw everything into it. And it's almost like starting now and doing I, I don't have to be in shape. This role doesn't require that. Mm. No one's asked me to do it. It's it's my own interpretation of what I read. And um <clears throat> I find that it it basically means that I'm getting my 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 head in the game three months before everyone else or four months before everyone else. And so when I arrive on day one, I'm I'm good to go. So it's it's also a way of almost I'm starting work early to, to really get into the mind
0: frame and, and and do something, but I wouldn't do it for everyone. And is wait. So is this stuff that has, has come in since mass that you've booked since mass? Or was this already in the diary before mass? Already in the diary. Yeah. There's nothing
2: mass. The way it works. I understand is so mass came out last week, Friday or something like that or Mm. whatever. It's been over a week and, um, you wouldn't see the effects of that for a, probably a couple of months. Okay. Maybe. Um, so nothing I've booked or done has been, a, has been about Mass. That's just other stuff, I guess. I feel like okay. the show I just did was probably Bly, like a ripple effect of Bligh, Based right. on the character and who they asked me to play, I was like, well, it's the same fucking dude. Um, <laughs> but, so, so who knows? In three months' time, it's, it's, it's Islamic sheriffs galore. <laughs>
0: There could be worse characters, though. We're going to talk about Sheriff Hassan. I mean, Mm. wow! So, look, Mass has just come out, and thank you. Like, I remember last time you were on, you were said, "Listen, I do want to talk to you about this. I cannot talk about it at the moment. When it comes out, I'm going to come back on. We're going to get into it. This is that moment. I'm so excited to do it. How have the last? Well, I think it's what a week, two weeks, maybe since since it came out. Maybe a little bit less. I don't know. I've watched it twice, ten days or something. Yeah. My timing's yeah. off because I've watched, I've watched it twice. I watched some of it ahead of this interview today just to remind myself of some moments. But what has it been like for you since it got released?
2: I don't know where to start. Um, I guess the best way to explain it is to talk about how I felt when we were filming and when I rapped. Um, And I've been quite open about it uh, on social media and particularly like I I had a conversation with Mike recently where I had hid certain things from him uh, because he doesn't need the extra stress of knowing that one of his actors is falling apart on set. Uh, It's better to tell him when everyone's slapping us on the back and congratulating us. And so the truth of the matter was, was when I was offered the role by Mike, uh, I was one of the earlier ones. and. I grabbed it with both hands in the pitch. So I went to meet Mike in Los Angeles and we sat down. I, I think I'd only, only done the pilot. I, everyone says like, you're, you're Mike's guy. You're returning. You're part of the trip. I was like, dude, I've done one ep of Bly with Mike and that's it. That, that was my relationship to Mike. Um, and then somewhere around November, he calls me in and from start to finish explains mass. So all spoilers, they were like, I got it from him, not from reading the script. So he just walked me through the, the, the beats. Um, and, and then at the end, he didn't even tell me who he wanted me for. I think he told me the story from start to finish. And I was like, am I the priest? Am I an angel? What am I? And then at the end, he went, and I, I'd like you to, uh, to, to, to play Sheriff Hassan. And immediately I was like, I can't. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I, I, I can't play in my 40s. I, I don't know Arabic. I'm not Muslim. I, I can't do an American accent. I don't want to do any of this. And that was what my brain said and my mouth went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, okay, well, go speak to your team and let them know because you need to talk to them. And I was like, no, it's mine. That's it. It's done. Don't call Dev Patel or Riz Ahmed or anyone. This is mine. <laughs> and um, then as I left, it sunk in. And I was like, you're fucked. Um, And from that point on until September 23rd, the night before, was anxiety, losing sleep. Just the lowest I've ever felt as an actor, uh, the most scared. Professionally, uh, Mike knew parts of it. Like when Mike would talk about the project and stuff, he could tell in my eyes, um, I was like... Whenever he would talk about feedback, somewhere around July or June, um, we were hanging out, and Mike was 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 like, "Hey, do you want to come over and let me show you all the apps? Let's do it in two sittings, Buy all the junk food." So that's how I watched it, uh, and and this, I, this I, is I was how a- you this is how you watch Mass with him. This is this is how I watch, watch Mass. Yeah, yeah.
0: For the first is, this- time, you sat down with Mike to watch it together.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh with, wow! With, with Boss Man.
0: <laughs> so, you, so you can't be like because
2: you know mike's watching me watching it watching the show like it's and i, I did that with him with bligh which so it was the second time i've done that and uh like uh you know and i do suffer from panic attacks and anxiety attacks and i nearly had a uh, knowing the script so well i would have a full-blown attack moments before i knew the next scene of mine was coming up based on the script and so so and that's how i watched it and when it was done i was like okay here's my feelings on it i i'm very hard on myself so those are my criticisms which i'll keep for myself but um i didn't ruin the show that was my main concern so I watched it and thought, this is fantastic. Oh my God, look at Sam Sloyan and Kate Siegel and Hamish Linklater and Zach Gilford. I mean, the performances just go on and on and on from straight across the board. And I was like, oh, you're great. You're fine. You snuck in, did what you did. You didn't stink up the place. You got the fuck out of there. So, so there was a sense of calm, but then it, was, then it starts up again when, when you start seeing critic reviews and you know, your publicist will send you every morning, whether you want it or not, you get this press break and it's every link with quotes to every review
0: I was getting. <laughs> Can you not say no to that? If you don't, I, I guess is? I could.
2: I guess I could. I just never did. And so I was getting that and I was like, Oh, okay, well this is good. These are great. It's going to be different when the public get to it. And then the public got to it and then it's been overwhelming. And, and then, like I said, my expectations were super low. My expectations were, As long as you don't get singled out Hmm. for a negative. Never wanted to get singled out for a positive. Was never hoping for that. But as long as I don't get singled out for a negative, you're good. This is a good learning experience. You're moving in the right direction. And instead, Hideo Kojima, quote, tweets me and calls me the sheriff. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? So it's it's been from low lows and high highs. And yeah.
0: Because the response, I mean, the response to the show, but the response to your performance has been um, 100% positive. I'm more than positive. People have loved your sheriff uh, yeah. I, I, and your performance. I think I did read an interview you did where you actually said, it's, it's not my favorite performance of mine. And I wondered when I read that, whether that was because you had another performance you preferred or because you would never sort of dare to single out a performance of yours as your favorite it's when I said that
2: these were before the show came out and I I, again a lot of these and from now on I think I'm only going to do podcasts because when someone else writes my words down some of the shit that's in like there's some crazy misquotes where I was like I didn't fucking say it like that and I was (laughs) smiling and they didn't put that in and it just sounds mean what I meant was was the experience of making it wasn't my favorite and that's not a knock to anyone I meant that the, the the it wasn't. We can talk spoilers, right? And yeah. We're cool, we're go, oh
0: my god, we're going to. I'm going to. I'm oh. going to prefix this entire chat <laughs> with "Do not listen to this show until you've seen okay. Midnight Mass." We can talk. We're going to go into some serious spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. So again,
2: I, I just try to be candid about the experience and stuff. Um, for now, I'm sure one day I'll get much more guarded about it. Or when I get my fingers burnt. But what I meant was, you know. For Seven Eps, uh, which was shot at the height of the pandemic, pre-vaccine, when we didn't know if this art would kill people uh, and whether it was worth it, um, that was, the, that was the, the environment we were shooting in. My director and leader and captain is basically in a, a hazmat suit, talking intimately about your widow. And it's just yeah. Darth Vader telling you stuff. So a very interesting <laughs> experience. On top of that, while we were already bubbled, I doubled down on the social distancing from my cast, which I deeply regret. And actually on the night of the premiere, we all Zoomed as a group. And uh, I apologized to them because I really cut myself off from Crockett Island and, 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 and these wonderful humans. For
0: the character,
3: yeah, right.
0: Yeah. And, and why do you, but if but what, what why do you then re- regret that if it if it was sort of an informed decision based on the idea that Hassan is an outsider on the island because of his faith? Um, why why would you then sort of go? Actually, I I should have done it differently.
2: Well, it's like the Lawrence Olivier quote to Dustin Hoffman, yeah. or whatever. I'm going to butcher it. Right? Why don't you just act? Yeah, yeah, you know. So I'm always again, you know, I want to be the best I can possibly be at my job and um, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to learn about techniques and I'm going to experiment and I'm going to go, that wasn't worth it. That was worth it. That was beneficial. Cause a lot of the things I've done, I've done some dumb shit in my time for acting. Like I don't think I've ever publicly spoken about this. And this is kind of gross for iZombie. When I played a heroin addict, I fucking snuck in to an NA meeting to wow. meet other heroin addicts and listen to their stories and, 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 and really get, you know, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. And I, get, I got into the room, and I thought it was going to be like Fight Club, just a, mm. like a, an open church, rows of 30, 40 people, and talking about their experience, talking about recovery, and just understanding it. And instead, it was a, a classroom with four people, And when i walked in they were like hey nice to meet you and i was like this isn't worth it this is gross i feel terrible so there's and then i was like never do that again i i lost a bit of my soul there and i i i don't think that was worth it and i felt gross afterwards for doing that for a show Mm. Uh, so again i'm always like i'm fine-tuning it Mm. you know i don't want to send rats and condoms to my (laughs) co-star you know what i mean (laughs) Sometimes it's not fucking worth it so
0: yeah where, where, yeah because where... when that makes it when 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 shit like that makes it out into the public domain people are like what the fuck mm-hmm. was he thinking yeah but, so did you do you feel like i mean do you feel like you missed out on an experience of, oh yeah of, of, of sharing like those days with the cast like oh yeah 100%. and being in amongst them
2: yeah the the biggest one which i reached out to hamish about and i said to the rest of the cast too was i wanted to be a better actor you know, I I, I want to keep pushing the limits or my limits. So I I play Hassan and I isolate myself and I don't bond with Rahul, little Rahul, who played my son. Mm. Instead, the relationship that I had with little Rahul was one where he didn't really know where he stood with me, much like he doesn't really know how to kind of talk to his dad. Mm. Great. Okay. Could have just fucking acted it. But what I really missed out on was I had front row seats to an acting masterclass. Every day I could have gone to set, I could have been in those mass sermons and watched Hamish Linklater do something that uh, it's one of the best performances I've ever seen on on TV. It's incredible, yeah. What wouldn't that have been more beneficial as an actor than then I'm going to stay in character. So like again, I'm just very honest about stuff, man and 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 um so I I was basically like I robbed myself of of some acting masterclasses here.
0: I can yeah I can I can see the logic in that because like you say every every single performance across the board yours included Hamish uh, Samantha Sloan, uh, like I mean just everyone is is so good and I've heard before people talk about um, you know Mike being an actor's director. Like, he really is great with his cast. And you look back across his work, and, and that is, that's true for everything he he's done, film and TV. Like, he gets these wonderful performances. What is it? Like, if you had to try and say what it was, because you've worked with him twice now, is there something that he specifically does that draws out these incredible performances, other than, I guess, just the trust of his players in yeah. his writing?
2: I think... It's a, it's a it's an amalgamation of things. Um, again, I can only speak for myself, but he's firstly he's the most important thing is is he's just a sort of wonderful human. Mm. And that that that's it. So that's number one. He's a genuinely wonderful person. I he really champions people he believes in. He's funny. He's he just, you just, even at, like any other director, I would have fallen to bits on, on on Midnight Mass. I was drowning. I felt like every day I was drowning under the weight of the expectation of what I had to do. Only exacerbated by how wonderful everyone else was. And Mike never made me feel like that. Mike always had my back. Mike, whether it's a reassuring pat on the shoulder, or, you know, he texted me after my monologue because someone on Twitter was like, uh, Mike Flanagan... Uh and Lee and Roll Coley are the newest scorsese DiCaprio pairing or some dumb shit like that. And I had texted it to him, the screenshot. And after I finished my monologue, and I was on my way home, and I was in my own head, and I was like, Fucking out that was terrible. I get a text from Mike and it just says, Good job, Leo. You know, with heart <laughs> emoji. And I was just like, that's the dude, man. He's just and 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 his notes, the thing is, is his notes, his notes are so I call him a surgeon. Um Communication, I think, is one of the most important things between an actor and a director. A lot of the frustrations, a lot of the the things you'll see on set come from a lack of communication. And it doesn't mean that they're bad communicators. It's just that a director, for the most part, has to have a almost, unfortunately, a different way to treat each cast member based on their personality. Mm. This person can take a, a jibe. This person cannot this is their, this person is on the edge. If you push them, they will fucking. And and so the best directors, I think instinctively know how to uh, know their cast and know how to motivate them and know how to have their back and know how to communicate with them. And one of the things that I noticed with Mike, with me, I'm not, I don't know if that's the same for Kate or Hamish or Sam or whoever, but I found him to be a brain surgeon, which was, I don't like overly noting. I don't, uh, the, a big, long conversations. I, I, I'm kind of like, let's just try it. Let's just try it. And Mike is, he'd come in and drop just a nugget. Like he'd come in with this surgical change and it was so concise. He'd come in with a sentence and he'd just go pop and he'd leave <laughs> and go back to Video Village and it would... Permeate, and I'd be like, "Holy shit!" It would change the whole thing I had planned for the day, and I was like, "I never saw it like that. That's genius!" And then take it on another direction. Not long conversations. I don't understand. What do you mean? So what? I do. It's just he's just he's just a freaking he's a surgeon, man. Um, but yeah, and it, like I said, like for me, he's he's just become a, a, a mate as well, and you know, I think Midnight Mass and has made us closer now i do feel like i've worked with mike because i didn't feel like i uh uh, that whole you know acting troop thing until then and 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 basically him guiding me through what was one of the toughest and most difficult mentally challenges of my acting career and being out on the other side when he said people are going to love hassan when he said you're doing fine stop it you good? i've got you i'm not
0: gonna make you look like an idiot and he 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 did all those things and more uh, and, and why was it though why why was it so tough because obviously i mean look there's, there's there's two ways of looking at it one is the the, the fact that the, the show itself deals with some vast vast themes like faith love guilt addiction fanaticism corruption And then there's obviously the character of Hassan himself, you know? I mean, you're an atheist and you're playing a Muslim sheriff in this Christian community. What made it so tough for you? Responsibility? Yeah, that was one. I put a lot of various
2: (laughs) pressures on myself that I shouldn't have, but looking back, I'm glad I did. Because of how it was received and was like, this will be one of the most watched shows of the year. Hmm. And the the weight and expectation I put on myself to to make sure that this character was everything we kind of wanted him to be and represent worked. But at the time it was, you know, I'm not Muslim. And I grew up, I've always been uh, muslim adjacent my bestest friend in the whole world we went to primary school together as devout muslim and there was a group of four of us we all went to the same school and it was aaron's a white guy atheist myself um i would be a hindu whatever indian but i'm an atheist and then two muslim guys mohammed and mohammed from morocco both devout this group of four never fought there was none of this bullshit. There was just, we would wait, even me and Aaron, we would wait outside school f- uh, during Ramadan to eat our snacks so we could break fast with them. We wouldn't eat until they could. It was just a respectful group. So, And then when, when Islamophobia hit after 9-11, I got sucked in to the Islamophobic kind of rhetoric. Mm. So it wasn't just them. It was the three of us being searched at Perryville train station or being t- having our passports confiscated at Heathrow airport. So I've always been around it, but I still am not it. So when I got offered that role, the first person I called was Bo, uh, Mohamed Boisa. And it, we, we just started talking about it. We just started talking in, in, a, in a much more specific way than, than just knowing his cult, his religion, knowing his feelings towards it. And when Mike found that out, I want to say in January, uh, this was so, yeah. So November is when I got off for January is when I, was when I was talking to Mike about something and Mike was like, can I talk to him? And I was like, yeah, he's just my dickhead friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like, I'm, ne- I'm nervous. I don't You know, this is a boss friend thing crossover. He started sending the scripts to Bo and him and Bo started having these conversations over email, which obviously I was CC'd into where Bo would make slight adjustments or agree with this. This is great. I mean, there was nothing Mike had nailed it from the start anyway, but there was just these hyper-specific things that, that Bo contributed to particularly the, the PTA scene. That was a big one about mm. Muslims and, uh, believing that Jesus is a prophet of Muhammad. Um, a lot of that was reworked together. Um, but the main thing is, I think I'm getting on a tangent here, but the main thing was the expectation I put on myself was, was the first conversation I had with Beau was was, what did you want to see when we were kids? What did mm. you want to see from, I want to make a Muslim superhero, just straight up. Mm. And what do you want to see? And it was be groomed or handsome, be strong, never question the faith, no matter what. Um, beat vampires up with your bare fists. I'm not the only <laughs> character that does that. That's pretty badass. Blade was still a nightwalker or a daywalker, um, and 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 all of that idea of giving giving something there that like portraying something that people could point to and say, yeah, that's badass. Mm. That was the main thing. Um, and so even when it came down to costume, I wanted like I wanted something that was iconic. Or instantly recognizable. And when we we all when Mike and, and Terry our, our wardrobe and myself, we get we had this denim, tucked, you know, the Canadian tuxedo, the double denim with the sheriff's badge and, and the belt and the scar through the eyebrow. And all of that stuff was just like, this is it. This is an action figure. This is what this is what I want. And I know it's a really weird way to look at it, but that's what the expectation was. So every day it was, it was like, I felt i had unnecessary i'd put the weight of two billion people on my shoulders and on top of that i was also playing american for the first time and i don't do accents so and while that wasn't a resounding effect uh uh, uh, uh sorry success for me personally um i also put that on me amongst my american cast members so by the time i'm on set you know i'm just like <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i, I mean I when you tell pre- it like this yeah okay i get it yeah it yeah. sounds like you put a lot of pressure on yourself yeah yeah and then that's why when the
2: day comes when it comes out and then the tweets come and it's from people in the community it's um muslims and south asians and, and middle eastern um uh, pro, uh twitter accounts saying this is it this is the one um felt mad proud one of my friends Tamor, um texted me and said my brother and i am watching it with my little brother and he said even just the little things that you guys got right on midnight mass we're we're celebrating things like hassan not taking food from the buffet because he doesn't know if it's halal which wasn't in the script it was just something i knew i'd watched Bo do a million times when we were kids he was like we're celebrating that like when cap picked up the hammer you know and he's mm. like, "But that's how dire representation is is that even just doing you know i don't want to call it the minimum that's reductive, but just doing the basic stuff of a just a a well rounded represented character is seen as this res, this this you know big thing, and it's such a shame because it shouldn't be mm. it should be normal everything mm. that Hassan does should just, just be normal you should be used to it. it shouldn't be it shouldn't be groundbreaking or anything, but sadly it is um." So I don't know. Hopefully, I I don't really give a shit if this, you know, people think that, you know, maybe something like Midnight Mass will launch you to the next level of your career. Give a fuck. I'm I'm confident in myself quietly. I, I will get what I want and do the projects I want to do. The thing I want is this to be an example for other shows and showrunners to maybe question their representation. And maybe we don't just do it lazily and 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 make islam this oppressive thing that our characters have to constantly challenge whether or whether they want to be a part of it mm work. I mean,
0: it. I, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I followed the whole response on Twitter because I was fascinated mm-hmm. by it. And obviously you're really active on social media. So you'll have seen it too, but the, the praise that was heaped on the PTA meeting and, mm-hmm. uh, the speech at the start of, I believe it's episode six about the 9-11, yeah. um, those two moments, uh, but especially the PTA meeting, it was heralded by people as just the, the best writing they'd seen and the best representation of Islam, uh, both in terms of not only Mike's writing, but in terms of your performance as the character. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know about the performance. I could pick it apart
2: right now. Uh, but, <laughs> but Mike and <laughs> Mohammed Boisa really did something and yeah they they uh, i saw it like i saw it trending on like muslim TikTok, Mm. and i was like and i bo bo's not on social media um and bo's not in the industry bo bo's back in london just work he works in it and stuff and and i make an effort to like call him up or send him articles or send him comments and i'm like look at what you've done for your community bruv like, are you taking this in? Are you aware <laughs> that you know this is being spoken about like this? Um, that it's being received. Like, imagine, you know, someone who's he's been he and 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 Bo Beau, Bo's not a showy off type guy. He's a very quiet, um, confident person. And yeah. And he just doesn't flex very much. He's, he's just, a, he's dignity. You know, we use that in, 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 uh, Midnight Mass a lot, the word dignity. And and that's the word that I think of when I think of Bo in the face of all the things I've seen happen over the years to him, uh, the microaggressions and, and stuff. Um, I thought about Bo every, every day, like how would Bo deal with this? How would Bo deal with that? you know, both six foot three. He's ripped dude. And he's, he could fuck up anyone <laughs> who says these things. And he doesn't, mm-hmm. he just doesn't. He's he. And that's, that was what it was. And I, you know, so I've been, I've been like, I don't take ownership over Hassan at all. I'll take all the daddy comments. That's me. Hmm. You know, I'll, I'll take all the, all the sexual objectification. Gr- gladly. Fine. But anything <laughs> to do with Islam, I place firmly on the shoulders of Muhammad Hajim, who was our, Consultant who did, who was there on the day to make sure that our prayers were were done correctly. And my Arabic was mm. okay. And Mike, obviously, who wrote the damn thing from start to finish. And, you know, it's not like the consultants came in and had to build something from the ground up. When Bo came in, he was like, This is great. <laughs> A couple of notes. And that's it. So it was, Mike already had got that. Locked down, but um, but anything to do with the Islam and how and how the community's received, I shoot it straight back to Bo. You know, it was him that we spoke about about you know the, the Muslim superhero. It was him that when Bev Keen says some of the most awful shit, I think about well, I yeah, about how he how he would respond. So I was like, if anyone's saying that Sherif Hassan is a wonderful representation of Islam, it's because Bo is a wonderful representation of Islam, mm-hmm. and through him just i played bow to a certain degree um so i don't yeah i don't take any of it in fact i already learned some lessons um i don't know if i should talk about this but um some there was some questions asked about whether or not i should be playing a character like sheriff Hassan, uh being a non-muslim mm. and that's bound to happen I don't think yeah. that that's a majority, not even remotely close to a majority, but that's, you know, it's a, it was a conversation. And look, I could dismiss it and just be like, yeah, but 99% said it was great. I was like, Oh am going stop. Let me just think about this for a second. How do I feel about that? Um, am I taking roles away from someone? Am I, is it my story to tell? And while while South Asians in India, you have Muslims, in Pakistan, you have Hindus. My Two of my grandparents, before the petition would have been from Pakistan. Um, So it wasn't like I was changing race and it was religion that was, according to question. It was like, well, one, no one's asking if the Catholics are Catholic, but again, it's about being underrepresented. So it doesn't, that doesn't really apply. But if it's about representation, religion's a choice. So I, could be any religion I want tomorrow. So I, I again, so I had all these things and I, and I had just basically decided that, you know, I had done my job with, with Hassan and uh, I hope that starts something. Um, and I, only three days ago, there was another project, which I'd been the lead off for nearly a year and a half and it had got suspended through COVID. And it was uh, a, a, a semi-biographical movie about a young man struggling with Islam and the the director himself is Islamic and it's written about it's him when he's younger and he wanted me to play him so I've been attached to that for a year and a half and I declined it three days ago after a year and a half and was like I think you need to find that this is a vehicle for someone else now um that's what came out of that did I need I don't know again I still question it because I was like I would have bought a lot of... I could have bought a lot of people to watch that now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So there are... You weigh that up, right?
0: And so your decision was based on just... I mean, having done Midnight Mass, you felt like that experience of doing that meant you wanted to now make way for someone else to... Right. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I wasn't... Look, I, I, I never considered it to be an issue when i did midnight mass no one did i think i was a bit blindsided by some of those comments but again like i don't necessarily i have i i stand by my decision to do that role um you know it's but again it's i, I just think moving forward i i i still wanted to take that on board even if it was three people even if it was hmm. five people i still wanted to take that on board and think about it and i was like well doing it once or twice. And, 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 and he, you know, it was more than just that, obviously, you know, um, this wasn't a show about Islam. It had an Islamic character and it was one of the themes. Um, so I could justify in my head why I was comfortable playing that role. Um, but going forwards, like, this is a film about Islam. Mm. uh I'm not the voice and this could be a good vehicle for someone else this could be a, to do something with it so I've I've done my it's not like I'm I'm one and done you know i played a doctor a chef and a muslim and I'm out it's not like it's a
4: character <laughs> trait
2: it's just that it just it just made me think slightly inward about representation and and you know I don't know I just I I haven't really I haven't really articulated or fully formed my thoughts on it but I know that when I circled back to the project to, to restart meetings because it was firing up for production, I backed out and I was like, I could help produce or I could help other things.
0: And your director, but, und- he got it. He understood where you were coming uh, from because obviously. Su- he-
2: I think he was super disappointed. Right. Um, I think a lot of the funding, I think a lot of it was to do with, you know, that's what they do, right? They use a Yeah, And yeah. they use your, your credits. And I don't know. Like I said, I, I only did it... I haven't really even spoken about it out loud. I haven't even told my manager yet.
0: <laughs> so I'll call him after this podcast. Yeah, I but... would do. This This comes out tomorrow. <laughs> I'd hate for him to find out here. I'll give him a call. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was...
2: You know, I don't know. I haven't fully performed it, but it felt... it. It didn't feel right to do again. So anyway...
0: I mean, we hear about Sheriff Hassan before we actually meet him in the series in episode one. It's um, it's Ali talking about you to his friends before we actually meet him. And this is the first time you've played a father as well, I think. It is, yeah. Except in a um,
2: Santander commercial.
0: <laughs> okay. So did you tap back into that experience? I did. To, yeah. I did. I nailed it. I, I hit the ground running. <laughs> um, but when we do meet you... Um, mm. I, look, I I think it's a really for, for me anyway, but I'm sure for a lot of people there is a surefire way to make it very clear that someone is a good character uh, when you first see them on screen when they're being kind to an animal and you're feeding Joe's dog Pike and that is your introduction, just placing that dry food in front of him and you're like, Bing, yeah, Hassan's a good guy, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's probably you know
2: it's probably by design. I think in the script that is the first time it's not like there was an intro scene that was cut. No, it is. Yeah, it's petting it's petting pike. Mm. Um yeah, it's amazing that's how you win over everyone. Yeah. Just be nice to animals. It, it Which is.
0: Mike doesn't follow his own fucking advice. <laughs> but let's I, let's just get this out of the way right now because the sooner we get this out of the way the sooner I I I feel like I'll I'll It's the elephant in the room, but mm. holy shit. So I mean like Joe, uh, played by Robert Longstreet, um, another oh. of Flanagan's players, who's just um, incredible. He was in Hill House, Dr. Sleep. Um, his arc is so tragic, but never more so than in episode two, where mm. I, along with, I imagine, a hell of a lot of people were in floods of tears when his dog Pike is poisoned. Yeah. he's so good in that scene and what was that like to to watch happening to be involved in that scene and have you have you read all the have you read all the people going we need to understand the dog dies like it's almost like a warning some people have, have skipped that bit because they're yeah. so affected by that yeah. dog dying
2: well i i've been one of the biggest voices on midnight mass just through your social media presence um and i take it upon myself to like be vocal and and you know whatever so i've been mad vocal about shut your mouth don't spoil the show if you've watched it i love you great we're super happy just shut up shut up please let every audience the first thing that got out was time codes for when pike dies (laughs) people look out for other people. So they're mm. like, yes, we won't spoil the spoilers. Cool. But I'm going to let everyone know on social media when a dog dies. Yeah. And I didn't challenge it. Cause I was like, I don't want to get involved with that. Like people take that shit. So, and it, it look, I love animals. Mm. I have a great respect and fear of them. Um, I'm not mean to them, but I also am like, yeah, I don't pet everything. <laughs> um, I, we have, like, dead children in our show.
0: <laughs> Not yep. a single fucking time code for that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it, oh, it still baffles you know, me. Uh, yeah, I got myself into trouble on that the other day. I was talking to someone about, um, you know, you, you've seen Doctor Sleep. I, I yeah. remember mentioning it to you last time. So there's that horrific scene in, in that where um, the, the the kid baseball player gets... Um, yeah, 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 of course. Uh, Jacob Tremblay. And... People like people are like I couldn't watch it. I had to turn it off. People were talking to me. They were saying, "I can't believe that scene. Should it have even been there? Was it too much?" And I'm like, "No, it was fine. I didn't get that. I thought it was an important scene. Most filmmakers would cut away. It was important to important to have it in there." Saying that, if it was a dog, I couldn't have watched it. People don't like that. People don't like it when you say things like that.
2: No, this is what gets me in in the. This always comes up at like social gatherings and parties because I'm team human, but I'm not Mm. that team human doesn't mean I'm not team animal. I'm just saying there shouldn't be a... Like, it's all bad. Yeah. Right? Not one over the other. But there's this whole thing where it's like, I don't care if if I see a baby on screen set on fire, but if you kick a puppy... (laughs) And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. Both both suck. Both suck. Uh, Yeah, it's true. You should have seen the fucking screening for Doctor Sleep. So that was... The sec- third, fourth time I met Mike Flanagan mm-hmm. and Mike's, Mike's thing of Bly, the first cast thing we did outside of the first dinner was I've hired a theater in Vancouver and we're going to show the cast and crew a director's cut of Dr. Sleep. This won't be shown in the cinemas, but I want to show you guys. And I don't want to go because there's horror in it, but <laughs> you know, team player, Mm. And one of the biggest differences in this version that no one saw is the Tremblay scene is extended.
4: <laughs> oh my
0: God.
2: <coughs> in a
0: cinema. because it, It's it a long scene goes, anyway.
2: Yeah. And this was longer. And it was just like fucking hell. And I, I remember looking at like, I think, I think it was someone in costumes was just like this. Mhm. And it was it was awful, um, yeah. yeah.
0: And I listen, and I get that. And it's I, I find it weird, but look, that's that's my dog on the wall there. And the only good thing that came out of Pike's death was that dog has never had so much love in the forty-eight hours afterwards. That oh, sure, dog got, that dog got <laughs> all the hugs in the world. I was like, I was borrowed Joe's line. I was hugging it, going, "My baby boy, my baby boy," all because of that fucking scene, man. It, yeah. and it also again, it's the same thing. Like it's it's the it's the,
2: it's the duck's position of. Sheriff Hassan pets it Mm -hmm. Bev King kills it Mm -hmm. and if you want people to hate a character she could do racial slurs at at Hassan all day long and I don't know if everyone in America would care I think some people would agree unfortunately Um, you know yeah you put that Muslim in place um, but with the dog that's how you unite America Mm -hmm. Uh, they're like oh she needs to die (laughs)
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But
2: that day was funny because it was it was pretty much shot in order. So it was a big day, lots of coverage, loads of mini scenes going on. You got you know, Hamish and Zach on the bench, and you and then and Zach and, and Kate do us a, a lap, and every character's there. The and the kids like Igby and Louie and Anara were playing the game over there, whatever they were playing, like a horseshoe. And yeah, massive day, and we had this amazing sun. Uh, and we're all together. It was one of the only times we were all together. Uh, so the tr- conversations were funny and everyone was, except obviously I didn't, but but like everyone was having a good time. And then towards the end of the day, it was, all right, now we need to do this bit. And it was such a fucking bummer. You could just feel everyone just, Robert sets the tone, mm. screaming Pike mm. and, you got to remember when Robert's screaming out for Pike, the amount of cuts there are, he had to do that for everyone. Like, he had to do it for me to turn around, he had to, and, and already it was... He's just... This man is like... I've said it to him. He's like a—he's like an exposed nerve of an actor. He's so raw. Mm. I, I, I could never tap into whatever the hell Longstreet's tapping into. Like, when he has that scene with Inara, mm. and every... Uh, he's just... Sobbing, hmm. especially with men in shows, you know when guys have to cry, one tear maybe, cover your face, you know, whatever. And Longstreet will stare down the barrel of the lens and just show you his soul and fucks you up. But yeah, then he was crying over the real dog because our real dog—I can't remember the dog's name. I was also isolated from the dog. Everyone got it. Um, <laughs> the real dog was there in position. And, you know, he was doing his thing. And then we bought in the the puppet, which, you know, it had a big tube coming out of it with someone with bile. And it just, they start yanking it and it's like everywhere. And it was, it was, and, and then Longstreet was still going. It was awful. It was an awful day, I think. And that's how we left it. Like we, should, I don't know. Everyone just went home, kind of bummed out. And Longstreet, you know, giving Longstreet a hug and stuff. But
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it serves as an important uh, an important plot point in the in the series as well because I think it's one of the first times we really truly see the power of Bev Keen in the community because yeah. everyone knows she did oh, it, yeah. Yeah. and yet no one would dare go against her. And I mean. In terms of your character, you clearly know the truth, you you know yeah. what's happened, and yet being the only Muslim in this Christian community, you know, your your hands are tied. That plot
2: point with Pike gave me my favorite scene in this in the show, which is the storeroom closet scene with Beth. I
0: was gonna say, yeah. So so let's talk about that scene. Why why yeah. is it your favorite scene? Well.
2: Firstly, it was when you, you know, it was a great scene on the page. It was cut mm. in the show, but it was a great scene anyway. And when you're learning lines, um, you know, you kind of anticipate what how the other person's going to deliver it and whatever. And, you know, you're working on your half. You don't meet up. And then when you get to set uh, and then you see Sam do the lines that you know just as well, because obviously you had to learn the scene. And they don't come out the same way you anticipated them. The beats she took and the layers and subtext she added was incredible. Like she just played jazz all over that between like it, it was wild. So it was so that was the first thing. When I heard when when we first get it up on its feet on the day of shooting, and and Sam's doing what she's doing, and I'm six foot four and Sam's small. And she made me feel like she was taller than me if that makes sense and i was just yeah. getting whittled down to size and sh- and 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 what she's done with it is she's lying convincingly enough but intentionally not bothering to also <laughs> hide it so it's a real interesting thing she's this duality she's playing which is like I just would be... And it, but that's convincing enough, but it's not. Yeah. So she's, she's it's, it's like a performance and a performance and a performance. And on top of all of that, did she do it? She did it. She's admitting she did it, but she's also keeping up the lie. She also puts veiled threats in the middle of all of it. Like, I mean, you just were able to walk in here and find it yourself. And it's all Hassan does. And I, it wasn't like... I don't, I don't plan an expression i don't sit there and go i'm gonna post up against doorframe and smile um that comes organically through what someone else is doing all i could do through sam who was driving that scene is stand there and just grin knowing like now oh, fuck there's yeah. nothing like i don't want to do this
0: because that's the was, bit that's the bit that really got me. Because obviously, I mean, like you say, that just the the pauses she takes, and I love your description. Like she played jazz with it. It's uh, when she's like, "If that poor dog ingested some accidentally, I'd just be a wreck." And then it's when she goes, "Are you pause certain?" I mean. And she knows she's goading you because she knows you have no evidence and there's yeah. nothing you can do. And I yeah. think that's the point. And it's not like a full smile you give. It's just the very corners of your mouth turn up because you can't really smile at her because then sort of she's won. but you yeah. are sort of just letting her know that you're aware, but you're also like, again, like you cannot do anything.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, <clears throat> I think it's it it was like you're right, the certain thing as well. And that again in the script, there's no, you know, dot 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 telling Sam, take a beat, take a beat, take a beat. Mm. It's just that's how Sam did it. And mm. obviously with Mike's direction. And I also thought, like, I was, you know, we never really kind of fully etched out between Mike and I when Hassan arrived. He could have been there a full year, I think, but we still assume he's new, but it's never really said. And I, I really thought about this dude as, you know, he's an NYPD cop at one point. I mean, mm. that's pretty badass. You know, he's, he's used to probably dealing with intimidating New Yorkers. And he goes into a storeroom to pick up, you know, to, to like, I've got this, uh, to get some info, maybe intimidate, interrogate this small old lady. And she just slaps him about. He loses that sparring match. And I think it's the first time he was like, okay, nothing prepared me for how despicable this woman
0: is. Yeah, she's... um... Did you ever watch uh, the Stephen King adaptation, The Mist? Um... No, that's on my list. There's a character in there called Mrs. Carmody, who isn't dissimilar to Bev Keen in so much as she's a, a a very religious woman who uses this mist that descends on this town as she claims it's God's wrath. And she riles up all the townsfolk and causes murders to happen. And like, she, I hated her Bev Keen. I hate more than I hate Mrs. Commody oh, really? When you see it, you'll understand what a big statement that is, but okay. yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. Um, like Samantha Sloan, like to watch her work must've been quite something. You want to know the best thing about it? She's fucking hilarious. (laughs) She's so
2: sweet. There's no shade of Bev in her. Like, she, there were a couple of comedians on set, Kate Siegel being one, I think Annabeth Gish, Matt Bedell, and Sam. Sam Mm. was fucking hilarious. So, you know, and she's got the most infectious laugh, and you would do, (laughs) so I'd show up. And she was one of the people I was quite close to on set. And we, had the, we went to the same gym and had the same personal trainer, so we'd always see each other every day. And, um, yeah, you'd muck around and, and make jokes with Sam and then Bev Keane. And it's like, ugh, it's fucking disgusting. And then back to her. And, and we were so, were so protective of her because, the audio, you know, people are fucking stupid. And you hear yeah, I was their stories about how, yeah, the public treats someone when they play mm. a character like that. And we're so protective of her, like... Don't you dare take what, you know, don't you dare break that fourth wall. The woman who played her is the sweetest, most pure, lovely joy, you know, joyous person. And if I, if I'm out with her and I see one lick of someone doing some shit at a grocery store, I'm going to fucking knock them out. Um, <laughs> Cause she's the best We're You know, we're actually going to meet up this week and I want the best cutest selfie from the two of us just so I can put that there. Cause so many <laughs> people, particularly like the people that love the sheriff, I yeah. like this Islamophobic bitch, mm. and it's like sending me pictures of gun memes and stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But
0: me and her,
2: and <laughs> this fake, and we we love each other. So yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah i mean yeah i mean you can see why from the from the performance i mean oh, I, yeah. I think the fir- it's in the very first episode uh i think we first learned that uh, hassan is um a muslim from joe and then more offensively uh when they have the meeting about the storm from uh from bev keen where mm-hmm. she says Un- unless you plan on hopping a ferry to the mainland to the mosque uh you'll ha- have to hunker down with us and it's uh it's michael Truckhoe, the the, pl- the place to merit. And that this is just a, you know the bit i mean then yeah because he made us laugh when he was doing it you could hear mike laugh in a video village it was <laughs> the, the
2: thing mike just the, the way truco is just like i don't know it just made us laugh on the day because he just improved it and yeah, yeah i know the it's, bit
0: it's just that weird thing because it's sort of like it's sort of he laughs in disbelief and then has to catch himself because again bev keen is the power in the community so he's yeah. sort of like this little like well, I cannot fucking believe she said that but actually no sorry yeah okay carry on the meat and it's brilliant really yeah. nice
2: Yeah, but big shout out to Truco because he he went full character mode in that I mean if anyone has seen Michael Truco without makeup on uh, he is classic Hollywood stunning <laughs> like he's Fit as fuck, six-packed, like working out. He's so traveled and has been in so many amazing. I'm a big Battlestar Galactica fan, right? So he was mm. my kind of freak out at the table read. Oh shit. Um <laughs> and you know, he just carries himself so well. He's just, he's just leading man shit. And and then Wade, you know, Scarborough is this annoying, bumbling. Uh, everything he did I, I it was like we were all as actors rooting for him we were like fuck yeah play against type yeah show him what you what you got show him that you're you, you you're you can do this and and do this full. anyway like yeah he he constantly blew us away on set and just made us laugh and was mm. yeah yeah <laughs>
0: You have that great scene with him, don't you? I mean, first I, I, I it's a great scene to watch. I want to know what it was like to film because at the start mm. of episode two, two, yeah, it's a se- about seven, seven and a half minute single yeah. shot take when you're on the beach with him and the cats have washed up and and it's it's such a long, beautiful, classic flanagan take. Mm. Uh, how many times did you do that? And how 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 nerve-wracking is to do that? Because you, your character, Hassan, is in it until probably about 30 seconds from the end when um, when Riley and Erin walk off, yeah.
2: Yeah, which also is still part of the same shot. Mm. So all in all, I think, I, I, if I remember correctly, it might have been 12 pages, and there's, you know, hour-half, and then there's a hand-off as the camera then goes back the other way. So we're still in the scene mm. afterwards staying in character getting getting things gone uh getting things done how was it okay so it was my first day
0: that was your first day
2: first day yeah thanks (laughs) it was Truco's first day it was a lot of our first day with the character um we i i think i thought it was everyone's first day but as i understand it kate and zach had already been up and their first day was everything in the boat in the little rowboat God, I, That's what I heard in an interview. I, I can't remember the schedule. So their first day might have been that. <laughs> that scene. Wow. <laughs> and I don't know if Mike does wow. it on purpose or if it's just, ah, it is what it is. And then our first scene is the one to And it's my first time with my accent. And there's no ADR. If I go bruv in the middle of my <laughs> t- take, we're fucked. <laughs> Uh Truco's bumbling because, like, I don't know if you 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 have to see it on the page, but Truco had a lot to say. He was like, Oh, Starling's and you know, he's going off. And we also, you know, while we had that beach locked off, um, we don't have the sea locked off. And every now and again, a giant ship would just ruin it and just be like Honk, right through. So there was a lot of elements going on. But we did it. Three takes. We had about three. three, 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 four takes, and I think I think it was the third that got circled. When I think Mike felt like he got it, there may have been a safety, and I, I think it was t- take three where everything fell into place. And to be honest, it wasn't like one and two, someone blew it, and we went back to the beginning. It was just yeah, one felt all right, two okay. I think performance is a bit run in. Nailed it on three. Let's get one for safety. Oh, we shouldn't have done the one for safety. That wasn't as good as the third. And then we were done. But, you know, it I'm, was one of the scariest things I've ever done.
0: I was going to say, because, you know, the pressure, like not yeah. hitting your marks, knowing, knowing your lines. I mean, obviously that's, that's your job, but not necessarily, for, you know, nearly 10 minutes in one go. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, it was,
2: but again, it was like, it, it's kind of smart because when you go through that, I know Truca and I looked at each other after our first day and we were like, oh yeah, we've been through something now. And I felt like everyone felt like that. And it was the first one in the can because we were shut down by COVID. Mm. So when we got, our so our table read was Wednesday, March 11th. And then we all got the text on Friday, March 13th. Go home. Mm. This production shoot shutting down for two weeks. But... On that Friday, so if that was Friday, March 13th, on Monday was the beach scene. So that's where we were going to go. It took till August to get back to the beach. So once that was in the can, it was like, all right, we're back. We're doing this. Um, So it was a big, it 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 definitely kind of like raised everyone's kind of morale.
0: I mean, look, I, I I find Jaws references where there aren't any, but I got major Jaws references from that. To me, you're Chief Brody in that scene because, like, you know, you what Mike said. Oh, really? It's
2: intentional, yeah. Chief Brody, yeah. It's absolutely <laughs> that with the, yeah with the mayor. It's hundred percent. That's what he told me.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, you know, a little bit of validation over here. No, no, like, no.
2: You nailed yeah. it, Chief Brody. Absolutely.
4: Yeah,
0: because it's, it's you know, it, it's that this could have been a bolting accident, you know. It could be, she could have been chopped up by a propeller. It's just, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's baby it's, sharks, our yeah.
2: It could have been baby sharks, you know, when we've got baby <laughs> sharks.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, lovely. Uh, and just because stuff like this fascinates me, what were the cats made of? Like, those dead cats? Were you they like...
2: Oh, do I not? No, no, no. It was all prosthetics. There was, there was, there, was, there was like, I believe all the cats were half cats. So they only made one half and buried it in the sand. Right, right, right. Because right. uh, the like gulls are eating them.
0: The gulls are actually eating them. You can see the gulls in the background eating them. So Which is CGI. Are
2: they? Oh, there man. was no gulls on the day. I air kicked nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget there was no gulls when I watched the scene. I was like, because it was dead quiet. Uh-huh. It was just the sound of the, 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 the ocean that day and us talking. It was a very calm, quiet day. And then when you hear it, it's like, ark, ark. It's, it's all. It's, but the hero cat which I pick up, it was a full, like, it was quite heavy as well, but that was a full one.
0: Okay. Also, Chief Brody's
2: from New York. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, of course. Yeah. There was a lot. It was a little, that's Mike's thing, was the Jaws stuff, and my stuff was Joel from The Last of Us. So that was the fusion. But, yeah, there's a lot of Chief Brody stuff there.
0: Because it is, I mean, there is there is that connection, you know, Chief Brody. I mean, like, and he he wasn't an Islander, and no one would take him seriously. And you know, the meeting in Jaws, the PTA meeting in this, oh, that's good. That's good to know that I wasn't just because sometimes I'm just I see Jaws where Jaws is not.
2: No, 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 no. That's Mike's favorite film. It's there's there's all sorts there.
0: That's cool. Uh, We haven't spoken um, about the angel. Uh, yeah, hmm. I guess now would be a good time to talk about the angel. So, in your opinion, what is the angel? If you had to say what what you what you think it is, because I have my feelings about what it is, and I'm sure other people have different ideas about what it is. But I, this this is going somewhere. So, just entertain me with with what you would put if, if someone went, "What is the angel? What is it?"
2: I think it is what it is. I think it's a straight up Nosferatu vampire, right? Um, Something buried and old from olden days, um, found in a cave in Jerusalem, or you know, um, I, yeah, because I've been asked that before, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm just not imaginative enough, or, or or it's a demon, it's a, I took it as its literal thing, that then is, you know, due to Pruitt's dementia and condition and. Mm. Twists what it is and makes out that it's something good when it clearly isn't, but it justifies his real intentions, which is to bring it back for Mildred. Um, why? What do you think it is?
0: No, I do. I think I think it's a vampire as yeah. well. I just find it very fascinating because it's 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 one of the interesting things about the show in that you have this island of people and there's this thing, and it, it, at times it's so darkly funny like when they put the robe on it and it enters the church and everyone sees it for the first time like it's it's hilarious and terrifying in equal measure yeah. just the fact that you know that sort of this this obscenity that has been dressed <laughs> in fucking cloak. but that's a great
2: metaphor yeah i mean not to get political but a, a lot of awful politicians know that if they veil stuff and Make sure that they, you know, God bless what we're doing, and you know, mm. oh, it's fine. You know, Trump bumbling through what whether he prefers the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's a great <laughs> example of our angel dressed in in um in the in the gar in the robes. Mm. um
0: Yeah, yeah I, I yeah, I think it's a vampire. It's just it's sort of there, I guess there are two ways of of looking at it. It's like obviously no one in the village, despite sort of like the uh, everyone having the, the traits of vampires drinking blood being affected by sunlight uh, no garlic no and you sort of go you go oh so how come no one ever sort of thinks this is this could be a vampire <clears throat> so i wondered whether it'd been discussed and whether that was the case of well you know in this reality vampires don't exist vampire mythology mm. doesn't exist or it was a case of, if you are in a, such a devoutly Christian community... It'd be blasphemous to call an angel exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, people would... Vampire... It's mythology. It's monsters. It's nonsense. So if you're in a devoutly religious community, you're never even going to entertain the idea of vampires existing, so it wouldn't be on your radar. Yeah. I,
2: I, I, I mean, I'd have to ask Mike, because I don't think I ever really spoke to him about why the V word is never said... Um, I'm, I have no idea. Maybe, uh But the take I did the reason why I assume no one's ever using the the the, the V word is basically because it's blasphemous. Like mm. it's an angel. Yeah, Father Paul doesn't ever call it that. And when it's introduced to the people, we'll, like the first time we see the angel is at Mass, right? And they're just in disbelief. No one's talking about it. Um. And of I, course, obviously, Sheriff Hassan's the first person to clock it down. He sees it waiting for him. Which, by the way, in real life was terrifying because that I had met Quinton, who plays the angel, before mm. he came to set, and we were cracking up because Quinton there's no there's no big over, like he couldn't wear clothes. He's head to toe in prosthetics. So. I think he would just come into the green room with Ugg boots on is the best they could give him. So it's the angel, no wings, Ugg boots <laughs> and no teeth, just his normal teeth. Cause he's wearing obviously dentures and he's just really sweet. And he's like, Hey everyone, nice to meet you. And I'm, like I said, I'm six, four Quinton's seven foot, I believe. And I don't really meet people that often that are taller than me. So I was already sort of on my, you know, my, when my eye lines up on someone, when I'm walking, it already kind of, I'm off center slightly. So we were all taking dumb selfies with him. Uh, I have one that (laughs) I haven't posted yet. But um, on the day when they put Quinton there at the back as I Mm -hmm. turned and then he, he, like, it was very easy to be stopped in your tracks as Quinton stood there. And then I remember he'd take his, it was a lot like it was blocked. We didn't block this part. But as soon as Quinton took his first step towards me, I backed the fuck up. Like, it was just my instincts was to, and then push little Rahul to get the fuck back in the pews like get back get back get back and as i would get into my thing camera makes space distort space but as i'm back in and i'm on the edge quentin would give me this death stare almost just a few feet away from me he would look as he'd go through and it would like i, I, I could get the same feeling like of chills um but someone on twitter said something funny about that scene they were like all them christians and white folk when the angel is there are in disbelief, but orderly, um, and in awe of him, of this angel, demonic angel. But when the Muslim sheriff takes a gun out and fires (laughs) it, everyone loses their minds and they got, they're like, they react. They were more scared of the, of the, the Muslim sheriff than they were the angel, which I thought was super fun.
0: Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, 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 that, that's an incredible scene. I'll tell you another really beautiful scene is when you go to speak to Joe at his trailer. Oh, yeah. It's the scene where you're the first person in the community to take his side, and mm-hmm. he can't believe it mm-hmm. when he's talking to you, and I think you say something like, you're, you're not wrong about yeah, you're Bev wrong, Key." Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's just such a great moment. I mean, Joe's arc. It's heartbreaking. heartbreakingly it tragic.
2: It is. It really is. I think it's, <clears throat> it's the first time I think we all aren't on Father Paul's side. We're with him. Mm-hmm. Even when he's curing, we don't know how it's happening, but he's very much the hero of our piece. And then that's, it's Joe where we're like, when you know, you've lost me. You, you, we, I don't care how compelled you were, you've lost us already. Because Joe is the heart of our island mm. you know he's
0: all yeah
1: one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes
0: nice dress uh, it's a it's a t-shirt
1: until you tried it on same goes for your health care
0: And it's, I mean, again, it's, it's funny. It is funny when Bev finds Joe dead on the yeah. floor uh, with. An, I know what you're going to say as well. Father Paul's just got blood round his fucking mouth. And a. Well, she keeps pulled. calling Joe it.
2: Yeah. I always thought that was awful. Like when, when I watched the scene and she's like, put
0: it in the carpet and dump it. And I was like,
4: oh, hmm.
0: And then, and what does she say? She says, okay, okay, we need to get you cleaned up and get you to church. And that is her (laughs)
3: response
0: to to that scene. That is her reaction to that scene.
3: Yeah,
0: It's, um, yeah, it's something else. Um, So you touched on this already, but I I, I think it is worth going over it Mm. one last time, just because the the, the classroom scene, the meeting, um, and the way Bev speaks to you uh, and the the way you have to keep your cool and the way you have to react to some of what she's saying. I, I, I think when she says. Uh, I think it's a bit where she's you sort of say, look, if I said anything close to what you've said to me, uh, you'd run me out of town. Yeah. And and she says, I wouldn't run you out of town. And it makes me sad that you would think that. And from dominating that meeting and sort of being this sort of like figurehead, the old switcheroo. And suddenly she's the victim Mm -hmm. and you're the, you're the bad guy. Yeah. It's an incredible scene.
2: I've been there a million times. It's happened. It's happened with, um, racially it's happened. Mm. I've stood up for myself and I've watched, uh, someone do that and it, it happened on a show the really comic. yeah an old show and the same flip happened on me and I was like and everyone sided and I stood there and it was it was fucking yeah and <clears throat> Mike had said to me about that scene which was his words of encouragement was when you're sitting in that in in a children's desk because I'm massive right we <laughs> were still in kids classroom so the chairs were tiny and and Bev is going for it and she turns everyone and and she rouses up the people and it's it's Aaron and the sheriff have exchanged a look mike was like every time I on your reaction I could see you saying in your head dignity hmm. dignity and it was and it broke mike's heart because he's like he's it doesn't feel like a moment to have, like he has been robbed of his dignity again while he sits there in a classroom. Um, And uh, it's funny when I see that scene, because I do actually get sad for Hassan. And it's one of the only times where I don't see me and think about and know that that day I had sausages or, you know, I was fucking around on my phone, watching trailers or whatever. Like it's the one time it breaks for me and I see his face with the, with the music and as he just has to eat one yeah, and it, it breaks my heart. Cause again, it, it does, it does trigger me. And, uh, I, I've been in that position multiple times and yeah, it sucks. It sucks.
0: Yeah, I think your look, your look at the very end, I think to the last look, I think the camera holds on you just before uh, yeah. the scene ends and it is just your face and it's a defeated man. It's like there is, mm-hmm. I, I, have not, I have nothing to do here. Like there is yeah. nothing I can say.
2: And his argument was so like calm
4: mm. and
2: for Christian. Like it was about togetherness. It was about, I'm actually cool with this. Mm. We're actually close some more similar than you realize. I'm just saying, hey, I don't know if this should be part of our curriculum is all. Mm. And then the way that got twisted and yeah, it's, it's sad. It's sad because, um, but again, the main thing was, and this was always in my head with Hassan was you don't raise your voice. You don't intimidate. It's all from that monologue. I don't intimidate. Mm. So every, and that was, again, that was one of the type, and I think I mentioned it earlier, and I can kind of summarize what I was trying to achieve on this show, but I never wanted Hassan to look aggressive or the bad guy um, because of how that can be quickly misinterpreted even by audiences. If I really stood up to Bev King and took a scene to a 10, I could scare the fuck out of people. I know that. Mm. So I always made sure that the sheriff, we pull back, never a 10, never a 10, always a three, always a two. And for an actor, that's frustrating. And it goes back to the first question where we, we where you were talking about um, why I said this wasn't not my favorite character. I meant my favorite experience. <laughs> I looked and I learned this from an actor. I learned it from Malcolm Goodwin on iZombie, um, who taught me about the marathon, not the sprint when you make a show. Okay. A lot of actors take it episode by episode and give it their all. And they go, here's my moment. Here's my moment. Here's my moment. I'm going to give a 10 on all these scenes. And a lot of the time it doesn't work. And what Mac was trying to get me to do was look at your entire arc and go through and go, there's your moment and commit to that. And what it meant was, was for six months. So I had this idea. I'm sorry that this is very long winded, but no, I had this idea thing where when I looked at the character, I saw a lion. That was when I first read. I was like, he's a lion. I made him a Leo. I put a scar on him because of Leonidas from 300. There was a lot of lion stuff going on here. But I was like, and this man was a lion in New York and where he was before. He's a strong man. And now when he's on Crockett Island, he's in captivity. He's a circus lion. And the, they pay money to look at him and point and go, look at this foreign beast thing. Uh, and they pet him, and they whisper about him, and he plays his role too. So he allows everyone to tame him. He does tricks. He's just behind whatever. Um, So I committed to this idea of the lion in captivity or the lion at the circus performing for the audience until, and we shot the scene in December, so I had to wait until the last week of filming was until you touch his cub and that lion snaps and he, or he eats his trainer. And that was the church. And it was that moment that I scree And I took the line from from Lisa Scarborough, where she said, I heard my father scream and make a noise I'd never heard before. And I, I noted that, I was like, I'm gonna echo that myself. So when Ali drinks and he doesn't know he's taken communion, ali was lying mm. i tried to scream in a way and we have multiple takes uh, screams that were awful that just didn't even sound like hassan and then and my action was there's a there was a lot more i think i had the most kind of movements in that action sequence where i just went fucking wild and was throwing stuntmen into pews and grabbing them by their necks and and i wanted that was my hassan lion that was the i'm gonna turn on this circus and I'm gonna eat the I'm gonna eat the audience. So to wait six months of playing smiles to Bev Keen to not get into a good at like passionate exchange as an actor with someone and feel like, oh, oh, we got heated, even in my monologue, to never shout at Sarah Gunning and just to play it measured, just so I could make that moment in the church mean something uh wasn't rewarding as an actor but was rewarding once I finished and watched it back and went that was the right choice it was the right choice for me Um, you know again like I said actors just want like we do want to just get their fight scream shout (laughs) cry and feel like we acted you know when you go home and I never felt that on that show until because I was committing to this idea so that was my analysis of the character that was what I had in my mind for the character
0: Well, in terms of that analogy, and your cub being Ali, uh, your your son, um, the relationship you have with uh, him—it's—it's—it's interesting. You said at the start about how you sort of—he sometimes didn't know where he stood with his father, so you you sort of didn't ever give him that kind of like fatherly sort of reassurance off camera. Because I, I to watch it is to see quite a beautiful father son relationship whether it's in I think it's episode one where he's just like kiss your mother Mm -hmm. and and he kisses the photograph and I I think it's episode four when he's talking to his son and Ali now wants to go to church and he says I'm not gonna stop my son finding God Mm. and it's it's an incredibly like you really do feel that there is so much love between that father and son
2: yeah for sure it's but they're not, they're not on the same page. No. There's no denying that they love each other and, and Ali loves Hassan and Hassan loves Ali. Um, but I always questioned, like, there's, there's things that are cut from the script, obviously, for time. But Ali also alludes to it in the show, which is you only became a Muslim for months. And
0: So was there was there more of that previously? It was in my monologue.
2: I talked about Ali being born and my wife being devout and helping me find religion and helping me find God, and then us then sending Ali to school. So in my head, it was always I am honoring my wife's um, wishes. We do this in the back of my head not to take it away from hassan but i think one of the biggest reasons he 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 was also holding on to that was because it was almost like his duty as a widower to maintain this to to maintain this 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 structure that they had that his wife had, had was, absolute, uh, was was instrumental in creating and was her wish he still underst- he and again it was so important to, to, to try and convey this. And I think Mike nailed it. Um, we never wanted Islam to look oppressive. We've, all these fucking shows do this thing where it's like, and then the kid starts rebelling against Islam because Islam is so oppressive and the father wants to beat his ass. And it's like, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's like, I respect it. I respect you as a man. I respect the choices that you want to make. I think I, 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 I don't, I would prefer if you didn't, I think what we have is, is the, is the one, but you know, go out and go out and educate yourself. It's okay. But the reason why it's a little bit more, I think here in him, the reason why it it hits him a little different is that I think he sees himself as a bit of a failure to his wife. I think he starts to see Ali pull away. Hmm. Ali's pulling And it's almost like, have I failed as a, have I failed as a husband? In my failures as a father, in keeping him protect, keeping him safe, and 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 keeping us, uh, keeping this thing, this bond that we have, which is also our religion, have I failed her? Is she judging me? Um, and mm-hmm. so like, why? While there is love between them, they do split, and at some point, I ask myself, like, why is Hassan still praying? You know, is it for him? Or is it his wife? And I felt that the wife had a lot to do with it. Him himself too, but I felt like his wife's influence and his love for her also was was a was a motivation. But what? and I think Ali was doing it too for his mother, but also for his father. And that's why he was so easily interested by the miracles and all the glittery lights of these father Paul miracles. But the beautiful thing is when we circle back to the end at that moment on the beach, they're both doing it for the exact same reason. And they're both doing it for each other. Mm-hmm. And there is no question of why they're, they're doing their morning prayer and that's where they, they finally see eye to eye. That's where they're on the same page. He's not doing it because of his wife. He's not doing it because of his dad's prayer, like wishes it's because they both want to be there at that moment um, <clears throat> with their beliefs together as as father and son. So that's, yeah. So that's where I think, like I said, they didn't, he didn't really know each, they knew each other and they loved each other, but they weren't.
0: Yeah. We'll it talk about, that. well, we we'll, we should talk about that last scene. Uh, we'll, we'll come, mm. we'll come to it. Cause I thought we'd end with that last scene because obviously it yeah, is, sure. it's Hassan's last scene. Um, but before then, I mean, a scene that you weren't involved in, uh, but of course you watched it with Mike. In fact, what, what was it like watching with Mike? Does he, does he watch you watching it? Do you watch him watching it? Is he as nervous as you were watching it? I don't know. I, I
2: didn't feel like Mike was watching me, but <clears throat> we paused. We'd pause a few times and, um, <clears throat> and talk about what we just saw. And it was usually about other actors. It wasn't about me or my scenes. It was usually like, Jesus, did you just see that from Henry? Um, this song's incredible. Can I shazam it? And it's all Neil Diamond <laughs> and stuff. Like, so we, it wasn't like I, I watched it complete, but, but, but um, I looked at Mike a couple of times because fucking Hamish had made me cry. Um, and Anara made me cry big time. Anara uh, made me cry. Same ep. The first homily that Father Paul does in episode two about Psalms. I'm hmm. not um, again. I'm an atheist. Um, I wasn't brought up Catholic. When Hamish took to t- t- did his first homily, I was. I got like the hair stood up on the back of my neck. The music as it swells as he talks about singing and praising, and I was like, oh, I'd sign up to this. <laughs> if I heard this when I was younger, I'd have been like, I I want to convert um he 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 destroyed when he first goes um body of christ to anara to lisa and it's just out of reach but she doesn't see what's about to happen so she's mm-hmm. like you know yeah and she realizes that he won't lower it the look of vulnerability on her face the 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 feeling that she might just be being bullied right now tapped into something for me as a kid and, and my my childhood and i just burst into tears i've seen that i've been that kid um when you trust an adult and mm-hmm. and they're and they're fucking with you um i looked at mike and i was just like that i was it, fucking tears anara just held her face her vulnerability it just broke me her hope that this this isn't happening this is a good man and then she stands and all of it just it was a flood of emotions. And the second, the other time I I stopped because I was crying was um, Hamish talking to Mildred where he was like, I did this for you because I did not want to lose you. Um, and the way Hamish does it just again, like it just destroyed me when it all came down to just his love for Mildred and, Look at all the, I, and everyone can relate to that. You know, that's mm. Anakin Skywalker. I knew I could slip a, a Star Wars reference <laughs> in. But look, look at all the destruction and devastation I did because I loved someone <laughs> and I couldn't <laughs> let go. And Mildred yeah. was happy to be like, "No, this is wrong. You shouldn't have done this." For me, for Sarah, for anyone, this wasn't worth it. And he couldn't see that. And I and and Hamish again just fucking broke me kate did it zach did it they all did they long did it there's a amount of times i was crying in that show
0: yeah i cried a lot as well um again one of the ones you know i think it was those four words that uh riley says to erin on the boat you know i did my best it's like ouch And then, I mean, that whole scene, I won't, I won't lie to you. I mean, I I just, I don't know whether I'm just too cynical, but that scene starts and I'm like, why has he, why have they rode out there? And I'm thinking maybe he plans to like not kill her and eat her because he does love her, but at least turn her because he wants her he wants her, he wants her to them to be together forever and ever and ever and so he knows that that's what will happen if he bites her and then uh, you know it wasn't too far into it for me to look like a complete moron but I then suddenly went oh fuck that's yeah. what he's gonna do witness and me yeah yeah just an incredible uh, scene. and then like
2: Kate's scream I haven't seen someone do it like that mm. on screen like. Uh, I wouldn't, I, she's f- fucking phenomenal, but the scream is so guttural and raw. And then it's the profile shot you get. Cause the way they do it, which I love is that you, the light is on Riley and it's Zach as he is. And he sees Tara Beth. Right. And she takes his hand. Mm. And I was like, ah, cause I've, obviously I read it, but you don't know how things are going to change later on. Like even my, my, my death seems different in the script as it is to that. Um, but, I was like, oh, maybe we don't see Riley burn up. Maybe there was budget cuts or Mike thought this is the best way to do it. But then it cuts to Kate screaming and then a profile shot of his fucking head on fire. (laughs) And then, you know, because Mike, you know, loves his audience and doesn't like to traumatize them forgoes any type of credit seek music and goes just for kate screaming throughout the credits <laughs> it was fucking awful but was, exactly. mm. so, yeah they were both so 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 amazing in that scene
0: yeah no my, my other half went oh my god i can't believe that they showed that it was it's like the, it's like the doctor sleep thing and i'm like but that's why it's amazing because yeah. you know there are different ways to do it but to sort of go but you know see what she sees like see yeah. what actually happens it's yeah, it's great, so look we start episode six with um with uh arguably like i mean no you have so many different moments in this, I don't want to say your biggest moment, but certainly your biggest speech, which is mm. the the monologue, which has been uh rightly um hailed as like possibly one of the best pieces of writing in terms of establishing what it was like to be uh Muslim in America yeah after. 9 11. I don't know. I don't know whether you've, I mean, I've spent a lot of time digging around Midnight Mass because I've become obsessed uh, with it and all the themes and what people are writing about and talking about. But yeah, there's been more than one article talking about just the importance of this scene and how this isn't mm. talked about very much. I guess that comes with responsibility cool. for you. How did you approach that scene? How did you get your head around that? How did you want to, I guess, understand? what you were talking about. And this idea, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know whether it's fiction or whether it's partly true. There's this idea of Muslim officers being promoted and then people panicking. I think it's, you use two swears in that whole speech. You say they fucking panicked. And later on, they, they still or think I'm a fucking, fucking, laden. fucking laden.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that scene was, Mike's forwarded me an article. Um, I, and I don't know. It's It was on my old phone, but it's taken from a real article. It's taken from real Muslim police officers. This is what happened during uh, post 9-11. So that's what Mike wrote. Mike wrote the story. This is what was going down. Um, so what he's saying is based in, in truth. Um, for me... So obviously I had that and I, uh, spent a lot of time on YouTube, which has been one of the biggest, the best acting tool since Stanislavski. Uh, <laughs> I was able to like find interviews and other, um, pieces about Muslim police officers. Um, the thing is as well, I, this, I, this was all going down during, um, you know, after George Floyd was murdered by the police, so my opinion of the police at that point was at its lowest, and I was like, I don't know, like Hassan's a good guy because he's a good guy. He's not a good guy because of the badge. I'm not making cop pornography. I don't want to make cop pornography mm. um, right now. Anyway, but um, so it was, yeah. So that, so I knew that that story was was ground and truth. Where what I had tapped into, what was important to me was was I was I was. 14 or 15 when the world trade centers were attacked and much like what Hassan says, everything changed. And it changed for me, a British born Indian. Mm. Um, every time, even now I'm randomly searched more randomly than my co-stars when we fly. Um, I remember when I was at the national theater and I was playing, uh, a Mujadeen and, uh, so I had grown out my hair and had a beard and I remember going into a party and the first thing someone said to me was, was like, oh, look, fucking shoe bombers arrived. Jeez. These are very common, 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 common stuff. And, 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 and again, there was no separation between Mohammed, the two Mohammeds and myself as a three, as a, as a group, as a trio. We experienced it all together. Every racial slur we were once spat on in Norfolk by a moving car. This is all post-911. So those words, while I'm not Muslim myself, the, 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 the ignorance and the hate towards brown people, I mean, a Sikh, I mean, famously, like almost immediately after the towers went down, an American Sikh wearing a turban was murdered. I mean, this is, the, this is how broad mm. Islamophobia is. Um, so there was that. That, that, that meant, you know, that, that was obviously, that was one of the few monologues in my life that I've delivered that came from a personal place. Um, but, uh, that day was tough because, uh, I didn't have a dialect coach on set. Uh, I'm not sure why I think it was COVID related, but we weren't, we couldn't have a dialect coach. So the first time I'm ever doing an American accent and no one's there for me. was oh, tough. wow. Yeah. I could have, I had zoom calls with a dialect coach. His name was Jerome Butler. Um, uh, but we would only have those a few days before filming and, and then that's it. You get to go and Mike would be there. Mike's great. He'd pick up on fuck ups um, but I had and I knew we were doing it in a wanna. It, would, it was later cut between myself and Annabeth's reactions and stuff but it was a one-er it was the day that Blind Manor came out uh, so I was staying off the internet and it was also a day that Mike wasn't able to be on set due to having a cold he had a cold that was mm-hmm. all it was but because of COVID guidelines he wasn't allowed to be on set so I was directed from a van on a walkie talkie oh my so there god was, again when i talk to you about anxiety and stress that's so they would like... have a yeah there was a walkie talkie on the desk and mike would be like that's great role um on this line maybe you want to put this and that's how we did it uh
0: <laughs> so the biggest i i mean i might be wrong yeah. but certainly one of the yeah, biggest important moments of your career on screen and your director's not there and you don't have a dialect coach doing an american accent for the first time
3: Yeah,
2: Yeah. wow. Mike's, Mike's. You know, he 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 had my. I still always felt like he had my back, and I downplayed how scared I was because, you know, because of the the COVID guidelines. Like, Mike was obviously gutted. He's like, I can't be there with him. Like, I want. Like, what do I? I have to be in a van. This is his big moment, you know, Mm. and I didn't show any fear because I didn't want him to feel like bad I didn't want Mike to feel bad I didn't want Mike to be like well for fucks like so I was like I got it I'm cool Mm. bruv this is Mm fine inside Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um and then when we finished um I'll leave it on a lighter note um the store so everything on this island was built right it was built in Vancouver and we had we did it like Hobbiton. So Crockett Island, particularly the town square and all the place. That's why you see these gorgeous wanners that go through the town. It's because it was built for real. Not only was it built for real COVID, the suspension, the COVID suspension actually weathered it because it was left unguarded for five months. So when we came back, it looked legit. Um, It was just had this extra level of real world weathering from the elements. Uh, And in any other show, if you think about the entrance of Hassan, when I, you know, when Hassan pets the dog, he's outside near the town square, which obviously is our set. It's not, a, it's not a location like we found a town. This is just empty farmland that they built on. I go into the convenience store, mm-hmm. and in any other show, you would be then in a the studio. Nope. That's still there. And then when I go to the back of the convenience store and I open the door and you cut to me being in the, in the sheriff's um, office, Again, not a studio, still I'm um, on location. And that was the same for a lot of those like uh, a lot of those houses. They were fully working interiors and exteriors. I mean, the set deck, the set it was incredible. That being said, again, because of COVID restrictions, craft services was a mile that way. Um, it was just a bitch to get to, right? Because they were so far away, and then you'd have to mask up just to go and walk over there. People were stealing from the grocery store. It was real Skittles. It was real crisps. All of it was real. So I remember um, um one of the best ADs I've ever worked with, his name's Morgan. Uh, he was pissed. And he was like, you know, can people stop fucking eating from the like go to craft services, go get your Doritos over there? You're, you're not supposed to be stealing from Set Deck. And it was the, and Morgan's a sweetheart, so he's always said with humor. I had, I call it my flannelogue. I had my Mike Flanagan monologue day and I, and I liken it to when it's your birthday at the office and your chair's got glitter on it and you're not going to do any fucking work and you bring in cakes and you just make everyone else try and take a holiday an unpaid holiday at work. Sorry. A paid holiday at work. Cause it's your birthday. Mm. That's what the energy I like to bring on set when it's my flannelogue,
4: <laughs> which is
2: it's my fucking day. And it come in, like everyone, I am the uh, the the king for the day. You will do what I say. I'll do what I want. If I want to smoke a little bit too close to set, I'll do it because it's my flannelog. <laughs> and that's the most diva I am is on is is a flannelog day. So that's how I was on that day. And when we finished, and I did it, and I got through all of it. And not only did I get through all of it, but Mike sounded happy about it, and Annabeth was like. This was great. This was such a good scene. I went out to the grocery store and Morgan was standing there. And I was like, it's my fucking log day. You understand? You see these skittles? <laughs> I'm going to steal them in front of you. And I'm going to eat them. And there's nothing you could do about it, Morgan. <laughs> and he was like, okay, whatever. And I took a skittle. These had been out for months. I didn't realize I was chewing on pebbles. First skittle, knocked my crowns out. And I was like, oh hold <laughs> it giant crown just in my hand and morgan was like what the fuck <laughs> so it became this cautionary tale where morgan was like you don't eat the you don't eat the fucking snacks raul lost teeth doing it uh, that was my monologue.
0: <laughs> oh man oh it's to go back to what you were saying earlier about obviously Hassan keeps his cool you didn't want to ever play him aggressive even in 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 that scene when you're talking you know about your history and why how 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 can you be expected to approach the church investigate the church on the island you still are calm but it is the first time we hear you swear and both swears are are well placed and they take the place of actual anger like just because a well-dropped swear by a character that hasn't done that before delivered calmly it has the same effect, I think, as you, you raising your voice. Yeah, absolutely. They are pointed, for sure. And they fucking panicked, <clears throat> um, is
4: the
2: they first one. They learned well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was important. Like that was, that was the time to like be passionate, be emotionally invested, show that Hassan is carrying. You know, he's not perfect. He's carrying hate. He's carrying anger. He's, he hasn't got over these things. They're very much present. But don't go into just shouty, angry man. We, mm. That was something I always was steered away from. And um, yeah, and, our, and, and it's funny as well, because after playing that character, Trevor Macy, who's um, Mike's creative partner and our producer, yeah. Trevor went out for, I went out for dinner with Trevor and I, he was just like, I think I told you. Yeah, it comes back to the first podcast we did. Where he was like, I want to see you play a prick. Because <laughs> he knows it's yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But every damn show wants me to be a sweetheart and wants me to fucking <laughs> be the cheeky chappy with the moustache or or the, the morgue doctor. And and I think Mike and Trevor are like, well, We're gonna we wanna start playing some fucking awful characters. I'm
3: dying to do it finally.
2: <laughs> I haven't done it since theatre. So
0: hopefully. Um have they have you got any plans have they have they spoken to you about anything or is it all just nice nice, nice shots nice yeah. good i like that um we're kind of on the final straight now we're into yeah. the final straight because we touched on uh, we touched on the scene in the church where the angel appears and i mean that's you're fantastic in that and the whole thing of having to watch they like, i mean it's sort of such a freaking double whammy because not only have you lost your son Ali Hassan has lost his son to the church and Bev is using that against him. She's like, thank you for setting an example, choosing God in the face of pressure from his own father, like rubbing your face in it while you're pinned to the ground.
3: Yeah.
0: And then you have to watch him die as well. What was it like being part of that scene and, I imagine you had to rehearse that a lot. I mean, because it's quite a lot of physical action in that yeah. scene as well.
2: Yeah. Oh, and and then there's, uh, you know, seven foot Quinton as a <laughs> demon in the background of all of it.
0: Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. It was it was fun, man. It was, the, it was the one time I was like, the gloves are off. This is what you waited six months to do, man. Don't fucking hold back. Mm-hmm. Hamish, you know, every day we, you know, you had rumblings of, you know, the, what was, I wasn't that mass. So, when I left, when they all started doing, because all the mass stuff was done back to back to back to back because of the, you know, because that's how they usually do it. So, when I came back, these lot were like a congregation anyway. I came back and they had card games and private jokes and stuff. And, and, and I'm like, hey, guys. <laughs> and it was like the church, you know. Um, I didn't know these people anymore. Uh, any, you know, they had developed their own bond and Hamish owned that space. So it felt nice to come in and pop off a gun and scream and shout and take over the church for a little bit. So that was that, you know, like I said, I'd been Clint Eastering in it the whole time. Okay. Okay. You know, playing it like that. And then to, to, you know, so it was nerve wracking. Cause like I said, it was 200 people staring at me and, and it was my turn to to do something. So I gave it everything. We, we had the stunt guys tackle me. We had to do it way more times than we needed to for technical reasons. Um, But I would play it from, we'd yell action from when I leave the pew and we wouldn't wrap that scene until, fuck, Ali's dead. Because the camera would come down with me as I hit the deck. So I was doing these long, 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 long takes of, and and again, it's always interesting when you see what ends up on camera, the more subdued ones are what ended up there. I, there were some real 11s thrashing. I know that I had asked the stunt guys cause they're the, you know, I, I, Mike was awesome with like, what do you, how do you, what do you want to do um, with the guys? And we were all there figuring it out. So we got the tackle down and they wrestled me down. And, and I asked the stunt guy, I was like, can he pull my hair just to, to motivate, to keep my head up. Mm-hmm. So the stunt guy would just make a fist and then just place it there. Uh, or at least just gently have it, but I'd control it, right? And <laughs> I remember Hamish reacting to it. Maybe I was trying to show off because I was insecure, but I would every time full-blown smash my head into the woods on the floor and make it look like the stunt he had had whacked my face with, <laughs> this, and it never played. So when I get down to stun me, I would just then, with everything I had pinned down, I would just go... <laughs> and smash my face onto the thing and you'd hear this thump and I remember Hamish was like oh <laughs> Mike never used it anyway because I was just like it's my time like these motherfuckers have been out acting me for six months um, yeah I was battered by the end of it and then then it was the cool thing again I love Mike so he I, I, me and um, stunt coordinator and the stuntmen went private for a bit and we're like what do we do i'm pinned where do we go from here so we start figuring it out ourselves and i was like well if someone tackles you off my left my left's free i'll flip onto my back i'll double foot kick the guy who's on my back and i'll grab him by the throat so and it all gets chopped up but that was the movement to get me out of there and then it was you know go over here punch sturge which i did once actually do and
0: Oh, course, yeah. Matt's
2: I, nose was,
0: yeah. I, I saw that picture.
2: Yeah. It, well, I mean, we did... were doing it a hundred times, and all it takes is for one of us. I don't even know how it happens. You just got to be a millimeter off. Either he lands here or I land there, and it happens. And that each sequence would start. Truco would always start that sequence off with him grabbing this um, stunt uh, person, throwing her into a pew, and then eating her. Mm. That would be our, like, you know, we're off to the races. And then we would, everyone would have their action which had been choreographed and we would do it all at the same time and it wouldn't stop you know a bunch of us would clear out the back into the um to the back of the church and shut the door that was us done that's where we would then go while they're still carrying on in there until you'd hear cut and then we'd come back out so it was a really long take and um and it was wild. I mean, it was our last week and COVID cases were going up. And, I, you know, I start the day off with three people licking, like, we're spitting on each other. <laughs> um, and people are throwing up. Oof, oof. I mean, this is like, you know, it's yeah. December 2020. Um, anyway, and like every before every scene, I would put in my headphones, which was. Um, <laughs> this is geeky. Nurse and protect is the name of the song, and it's mm-hmm. from The Mandalorian Season 1. And it's, it's the sequence when uh, Pedro would come out into the open, shoot a couple of dudes, deflect, and start beating Death Troopers down. So I'd have that blasting in my head in my, on my AirPod before we do the take, because I was just like, you're a fucking hero. You're a fucking hero. <laughs> this is your moment. And then, yeah, we would do that sequence one time, I felt contact, something, but we carried on. Matt falls back into the pews and I've still got a half a scene to go. So I grab the other stunt dude and I throw him and I throw a few others. And then I grab Igby who plays Warren and I drag him through the doors. I shut the door. And the first thing I said to Kate, I think was, I think I hit Matt and you wait for minutes. And then they yell, cut. I run out straight to Matt and he's just got blood down. And I was like, I was fucking mortified i don't know how it happened i think it was a follow-through i think this part the punch Mm -hmm. i think he got the worst bit which was the follow-through i was in i was felt sick he was dope he's just like yeah yeah (laughs) and then they were tending to him i didn't know what to do i kept apologizing and matt was dope and i went and bought i had uber eats or whatever deliver guinness and I put it with a little apology note in his trailer. So when he got to his trailer, there was cold Guinnesses in there and <laughs> him and Truco cracked one at the end of the day. But yeah, I, it, was, it was wild. It was one of my favorite days on the set. And then I also twisted my knee um, quite badly. Doing what? But I just got up weird. I don't know if my foot was pinned back by someone lying on the floor or if my costume, my boot gave way, but there was one take towards the end. As Kate helps me up, uh, I just had this shooting pain in my kneecap and I was like, I thought I'd done some terrible ligament damage. I hit the deck quietly and it takes a second for everyone to notice that Rahul's not on his mark and Kate's like going, stop, 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 stop. And then everyone clears out. I wait. I'm not saying anything in It's just this blinding pain in my knee. Mike comes over and everyone comes over and they call <coughs> medical and they're looking at it and it swells up a bit. Um, we ice it with, I think they were thinking of just calling it a day with me, maybe using Mm. a stunt guy, but I didn't want it. And it started to be okay. It started to numb up. So we carried on. Um, and I think Mike was like, you don't need to get up anymore. We got that bit. But what happened was everyone wrapped after the church. That's how we finished midnight mass was the church, except me the one day that kept getting shifted in the schedule was interior Hassan's house. So that's every damn scene from seven apps that takes place between Ali and I mm. was left until the final day. So we all wrapped. We said our goodbyes on the weekends. You know, emotional, but I and, and little Rahul still needed to come back with Mike and do our day. And it was just me and him. And my knee was busted and obviously on the day adrenaline, it was fine. After the next day, I couldn't walk on it. And I had three different versions of my prayers to do on my kneecaps. And of course, as I would. And so I saw tweets. I just want to put this out. I want to clip this part so I can put it on Twitter Mm -hmm. Some people were like why does why does the, the prayers look inaccurate because Raul looks so stiff and so I'm like, "Hey, so let me just tell you something every time I had to be on my knees and drop it, it was like it was like someone was twisting a dagger into my kneecap, and they had put foam underneath my prayer mat just to cushion it slightly, and anytime we fucked up, any time you know it was slightly off or we need to reset for whatever reason, I was just on it." in agony and then I, a lot of the scenes i'd have to get up and carry on acting and doing whatever so all of those hassan scenes i'm bandaged up on my knee i think i'm even standing funny in one of the scenes um like I, I when we would do our prayers as, as i'd go down and my you know my head would touch the carpet there was always like a <laughs> I'm back up it was it was it was a stressful day um and the second thing I'll say about that is, is everyone's like, ah, your fucking accent when you said Christian. I want it on record. I know how to say it. It's Christian. However, Mike, because he's a genius, you know, when other people say other names for religions, like they say Muslim and Islam, they do it all wrong, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted a parallel note. I say Christian. He wanted it to sound foreign in my mouth, different from them, just like how Muslim sounds foreign in their mouths, different from me. So I'm getting a lot of shit for it. And I'd never throw my boss under the, but I'm actually throwing Mike under the bus (laughs) because I'm saying that's how hyper-specific and the details he likes to leave in there. That's great.
0: So your final prayer though, which we should talk about. Oh uh, yeah. Right, that's uh, I, this is the final time I cried. This whole climax to Midnight Mass is just one of the most unbelievable. With things. the Titanic it's, music, because uh, oh, yeah. it's the last song that yeah, the violin. It's the same song, yeah. Nearer, uh, nearer to thee, my God. Is that it? Nearer to thee, yeah. thy God. Yeah. Yeah. I've
2: been listening to the um, soundtrack for the last week. It's on there. It's, yeah.
0: So. I mean, it's, it's beautiful because obviously you, you, like you said earlier, you and Ali uh, are reunited. You're together there. You're praying together. Um, mm-hmm. You've been shot by Bev. It's a stomach wound. You're clearly going to die. Yeah. And just that bit where you sort of slump over to the side. Uh, and it just it happens in exactly the right order. Because after everything they've been through, you know, the big fear would be that, you know, Ali would burn before Hassan died. And it's so important that Hassan You're does. Right. Die I never first. thought about
2: that. I never thought about that. You're right. Yeah. Because that, he, he doesn't need to watch
0: that. No. Yeah. Yeah. After after everything he's been through. Um and the way the hymn ends, the fact that it just stops before the very last word because everyone's dead.
3: Yeah. Hell yeah. of an it ending. Was,
2: it was it was written. Um expressly like that. I remember at the table read, uh, Mike read the stage direction and then on his phone, because we did all seven episodes back to back in the table. It's the longest table read I've ever been in. Um, Wow. Yeah, it was a long day. And this was two days before COVID. 17 of us had just flown in. We're like, (coughs) it's fine. Um, And everyone was fine. But uh, yeah, we did all seven episodes back to back. And then Mike had put the song on on his phone and was like, close-up, this, close-up, that, the town, this. I mean, beat for beat for beat for beat, it was, it was there. So Mike always had that ending. The only thing that was different was in two changes from my side. I think this came from – I want to give credit where credit's due. I think this came from a conversation between Mike and Bo, or Bo, or me. All three of us. Let's just <laughs> say the team, Team Hassan, which is Mike, Bo, and myself, and other Mohammed, Um the prayer when you do the prayer uh, the elder who leads prayer stands on the left and the youngins will stay on the right and I think it was either again I don't want to, who gives a fuck who suggested it, doesn't matter. Point being at the final beat we switch their positions. So Ali leads, which you don't see in the show because it's Hassan always leads it, but at this point Ali leads the prayer it's his moment to take over and and be the leader of of the house. Um, So that was the first thing, which I loved the symbolism there. So hopefully people noticed that. Uh, The second thing was Mike had expressly written that they both uh, kneel for prayer and they could bow down and then they rise and they go down and then only Ali rises. Right. And that's it. So... That's how I thought it was always going to be. Was I don't need to worry about how I slump or anything because you don't That's... see Hassan slump. You just see Ali come back up, which is quite poetic. I don't know, it's kind of I,
0: I thought that was good. I thought it was going to end like that. I, I anticipated that, um, but then I thought maybe it looks quite strange. Like I, I wondered if you needed the slump because. I, I don't know. Dignified isn't the right word, but just to see someone sort of like, I wouldn't be sure if Hassan was dead and it's quite an odd place to leave him positionally.
2: Sure. Maybe that's, I, I, I actually never got to ask Mike that. It just slipped my mind. Why did you choose? Because what happened was, it's all real weird stuff, but like as an actor, I'm trying to, I got to make sense. I don't want anything to look stupid. Right. And especially hmm. death. Uh, if like watch Dark Knight Rises, for instance, there are some, De- um, final deaths that look weird. <laughs> like, it's that, that you're, It's always in the back of your mind. You want to make sure it has the right meaning and, and moment. So we shot in two locations. We shot on the beach, on a real beach in Vancouver. Rahul and I, uh, quite early. I think I did this quite early into our um, filming. So we do it with real, the real sunrise was done. So we did it for real. Um, and... You know we're doing our prayer and then at some point you know mike's like and hassan dies and i, I try to find the most dignified way of collapsing knowing it wasn't going to get used but just to make it one concise and it's harder than it sounds but so anyway so i do the slump mm. and hold it knowing i'm not in frame i'm not going to be used and then I, when we were then shooting our close-ups, we did that on a stage, and um, on blue screen or green screen or whatever. Uh, and I just mimicked the same action from this, from what we did. And then when it, when it arrived, the whole thing Mike had written, where it was like, "And then Ali rises and Hassan doesn't," and it was just my slump. I was like, "Oh." So I'm I'm wondering if it was that Mike preferred that he thought that was more of a gut punch for the audience to actually. Maybe he experimented. I'd have to find out if he experimented with, well, that, I think they probably should see Hassan for, maybe that's the sadder, sadder beat. Or maybe it was, I don't get that Hassan died. If we don't, I have no huh. idea. But but it was not, I never intended for that to be seen, huh. Um, but it was what Mike ended up choosing. So, um Yeah.
0: It's I mean, that's it's your death that I think I possibly, uh, no offense, after the dog cried out the most because he's a good guy, Hassan. Like yeah. uh, of everyone on the island, he's the one who has done nothing wrong. And, you know, he is in many ways the eyes and ears of the audience. He is our way into Crockett Island because we get him more. We're sort of he's our vessel to sort of witness this yeah. uh, crazy religious revival that is happening there slash vampirism.
2: Well, I remember Kate saying to me, pulling me aside when I was having a low moment about something, which I often do. And Kate took me aside and she was like, have you spoken to Mike about this show? Like about you and I? And I was like, what what are you talking about? She's like, this show starts with you thinking that Riley is the hero, the lead, right? Mm -hmm. But we get, he dies. And then the audience, they go, no, Father Paul is. And then you turn out he's not, and so what you're left with is Aaron and the sheriff, who together, along with Annabeth, the teacher, the doctor, and the sheriff, single-handedly stop all this from happening, and they save the world because they stop this from a right. She, Aaron, is stops the, Aaron stops the uh, angel from flying, um, and Sarah figures out the the blood stuff, but and and Hassan. Basically lights the everything right, on girl. fire, and his yeah. son is the one who throws the final match. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, he was like, it ends with the Muslim brown man and the woman rest like being the saviors of our story. There's no, it wasn't this male white saviors thing. She goes, I know it's buried, but it's intentional. And I was like, and that's what it clicked for me. I was like, oh yeah, that's that is it. Sometimes it's not about word count. And I gotta remember this as an actor. Sometimes it's not about scene counting and word counting, it's about impact and it's about wow. what you you contribute to the to the story. And while Hassan's the vessel, it's also nice to know that his actions uh, and his sacrifice is what saves the world from this becoming the global thing we see in other types of shows where zombieism and takes it, you know yeah. what I mean. So mm. um yeah
0: and looking badass and double denim at the same time. So I mean, Clint Eastwood, Joel from The Last of Us. I mean, any other inspirations? Where did the double denim thing come from? The double denim
2: was Terry. I said I wanted a cowboy silhouette because I wanted to make sure, because my favorite thing about the character, which was that Mike had taken, and I've quoted this, every time you do press, you get one thing that you quote again and again and again just Mm. to get through it. So everyone winds up with the same quote, but it's true. One of my favorite things about it was Mike took the American hero, the John Wayne, the Clint Eastwood, and smashed it with post 9-11, the American villain, the brown bearded man. So because those two types of characters were smashed together and embodied in this one vessel, I felt that it was... Important for me to make sure that both sides were taken care of. So obviously, I didn't need to take care of the brown bearded man too much. That that was there, but I wanted to make sure that you guys still felt the silhouette of something you'd seen before. So, and also I fucking love Sergio Leone. So it's a I always make things fun for me. Do you know what I mean? So I was playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption because that's such a chore. (laughs) <laughs> and I was listening to, you know, NEO soundtracks and I was, you know, just like eating away at Deadwood and Timothy Oliphant and, and all the stuff, because it was, it was beneficial to me, but I was like, what's the through line, man? What's, what are all these dudes doing mm-hmm. that, that is common amongst them? What's the posture? What's the, what's the vibe? How does it work? And try to find, the hassan's version of that you know so every pose hands on the hips on his gun holster which is empty all of it was intentional so that you'd go oh he's the sheriff but he looks he's brown that's weird um and to the point where a funny note was i asked for cowboy boots so firstly we had so when when terry presented me with the options of this is he, the Rahul for some reason wants to make him a fucking cowboy. And I even <laughs> sent a, a, a voice note to Mike of my final monologue from episode six with a southern accent. And Mike was like, How about we don't?
4: And I was like, Okay, <laughs> cool.
2: Because I, and it just makes sounded sound like Arthur Morgan, like, there's a good Like it was just so <laughs> thick. And he was like, No, 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 no. So I'm glad Mike's there because he doesn't let, he doesn't let you have all your own way. He's still, he's still got your back. So there were hats. And we put on the hat, and I looked like a fucking dickhead. And I was like, "Nope, no hat." Like, <laughs> so we threw that away. And then he, Terry, was like, "Try these these sherpas on. Try these denim jackets." And it just the first the, the blue one hit, and I was like, "Oh yeah." And then with the gold the, or the you know the tin badge or whatever. Um, and then it just naturally was like, "You look good in blue." And we liked the blue sheriff shirt because there were multiple versions of that. And then it led to well. Might as well just go the whole way. Let's try it with some jeans. And then we stood there and we're like, that's cool.
0: Yeah. That's the cosplay. It is almost triple denim, though. Like with the it is triple denim. Yeah. Yeah. It is right. Yeah. 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 So I'm
2: also because I'm a little fanboy and I'm a nerd and whatever. I do think about cosplay. I do think because I the dude, I nearly cried when I first saw the first Ravi from my zombie especially for brown dudes, man. Like we always have to race bend characters. If I want to mm. be Gosling from drive, I can do it, but everyone's going to be like, Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> inaccurate take because of your skin tone. <laughs> um. So one of the things I do fucking do, and I don't care, like I know it should be about the work and I I know, you know, I am a serious actor, but I still think about Halloween and, and, and that. So when I help with character creation, I take that in mind. That's why Owen was very specific. So mm. And, you, and And as sure as hell, came Halloween last year. Owens, mustache, aprons, the works, curtains, and I was like, nailed it, we did it again. This mm. is, I'm liking this. And I've already got tweets from people about going to Sheriff Hassan to That's amazing uh, to Halloween, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, because I was that person. I was that person who, you know, did the crow, mm. and they don't represent me. I love these characters and I still feel I still feel a closeness for them, but it, it's dope when you can be the most accurate version of that character because of your skin tone or whatever. And so what I had was sneakily, which I don't think Mike was aware of, I asked Terry for cowboy boots and he was like, seriously? And I was like, I want cowboy boots. So he got me cowboy boots, but we made sure that the ends weren't pointy. So he managed mm. to find a cowboy boot that kind of looks like a regular boot, but it ain't. If you lift up the jean, it's all embroidered and shit. It's ridiculous, right? And I would, every now and again, like with Hamish or, or um, Henry or whatever, I'd flash a little bit of cowboy boot after a serious scene, and they would. it would make them laugh that it's so ridiculous this guy's doing this. But I wanted them because it, it was important to me to feel that way. And the original note was, and I think it hadn't dawned on Mike. It only dawned on Mike I was wearing cowboy boots till really late on, which was... The scene calls for Sheriff Hassan to to pull out a pistol from his boot or from his leg. And then he fires it in the church. And on that morning in front of everyone, I was like, Mike, you might want to change that. And he was like, "Why?" Well, I was like, there's no way you want to see these rolled up to pull out a thing. <laughs> I was like, show me. And I pull up the jean and he sees the fucking stupidest cowboy boot and he just starts pissing himself. And he's like what about waistband? And I was like, yeah, I'll pull it from the waistband. (laughs) We rolled it back. So that's why, that's the only reason I do it from here is because of the cowboy boot. We didn't want anyone to see. It was just for me. And then I got a text from Mike a couple of weeks ago. He located the cowboy boots in storage. Uh, He found both my pairs uh, and he was like, do you want one? I'm keeping one. So we both have a pair. I've got to get it off him, but we both have a pair of the the cowboy boots.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's nice. I want to see those boots.
2: Yeah, I'll put a picture
0: up
4: of them because yeah, I want people yeah, to know
2: yeah. I don't want it to be ridiculous though, but it is ridiculous. <laughs> when you see a picture and you know that, you know, when I'm crying for my son or I die on that beach, <laughs> like he's got these like line line dancing type boots on. But yeah.
0: <laughs> so listen, I mean, it's been a pleasure. I guess that I guess the be, I guess the best way to, to end this is just to sort of I get an idea of just how important it has been for you being part of Midnight Mass? Uh, I don't know yet.
2: It's so early, right? It's still like 10 days. But the experience, you know, this show was important for a lot of reasons. Personally, it was Mike's baby. This is Mike's Mm. passion project. Mike is about six of those characters, particularly Riley. You know, there's a wonderful essay that he wrote for Bloody Disgusting, which... If you read it, you will really understand what this show means to him and what it represents. So because, because Bossman cares that much, we care that much. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that went into making this. Um, people made a lot of sacrifices. Zach missed the birth of his child to be on that beach for that one He had to run off between takes on FaceTime with his wife, who was in the emergency room. Wow. And when Zach did that, you don't complain about not, you know, being being at work because it's Liverpool in the Champions League. <laughs> so thanks for that, Zach. He top-trumped everyone. I missed the birth of my child, so shut up. Um, there were a lot of sacrifices. Like I said, it was COVID. There were people there who, you know, we had immune-compromised actors. We had immune-compromised, like, everyone took a risk to make this, but we did it because we love the material. We love Mike. Um, it was important for me because, like I said... You know, Goslin said he did drive because he wanted to, it was his version of a superhero because he mm. didn't think he was going to do a Marvel or a DC. But this is my superhero with the scorpion on the back and the toothpick. This is my superhero. I don't know if I want I'm gonna do be a be about that world, but it's the double denim, triple denim art scar on the eyebrow sheriff. Um but yeah, I mean, how important is it? Uh, I I've used this, I've sent this text to Mike and I've sent this to Bo and a few others and it's just we really did something i don't know what that means i haven't fully again i don't understand that fully but that's all i can articulate is hey we really made something we really did something we did a thing um we made art we did something we got it's people a, talking yeah that's it yeah.
0: i don't know it's an incredible show uh you Thank know you. It, re- it really is uh just yeah uh, it's a show that you think about, and like you said, like you did with Mike, you stopped it and you and you talked about it and you guys made it. I mean, I've, you know, people are talking about it. I've had conversations about it. It sits with you. It gets under your skin. It makes you think there's such important themes being discussed in the show. It, it's fantastic. And again, for you personally, you've created another character here. You've done something very different to anything I've seen you do before on screen. And as you said at the start, obviously, it takes time for you know <coughs> the wheels behind the scenes to turn and, and what that might mean for you personally. But I guess it is always worth asking the question of if it's giving you an idea of what you'd like to do. So in the future, if people start going, you know what you did in Midnight Mass? We, we want that. We want mm. that hero. We want you <coughs> to play that heroic character again. Is that something you'd like to do or is it always I want to try something new? Um,
2: I want to try something new, uh, but I, I learned a lot about trust and pushing myself. And I, like I said, the experience of making this show, and thank you, by the way, it was very kind of you to say, but, but the experience of making this was drowning. That's the only thing I can compare it to. I constantly felt like my, my, my nose was just above water. That's how I felt for six months. And then that's how I felt for the rest of the the the, the, the downtime. <clears throat> but one thing I do know, as much as art is subjective, I'm a far better fucking actor now than I was when I started that project. And what I have taken away is, is I'd like to feel like that more often. So I don't know what it is I play, but if I'm not drowning, that means I'm not pushing myself. And if I feel comfortable, that means I'm, I'm, I'm um, staying in my comfort zones and I'm not part, I'm not trying hard enough um, I've worked on something since I wasn't drowning um, mm. I'm hoping to work on something soon and I'm planning on throwing myself into that pool and it could just mean being deeper with the work being less broad or taking risks so I was scared but like I said I do feel better on the other side I feel like funnily enough my American accent's even better now than it was <sighs> when I started, even though there are mistakes and for me anyway, and things I'd like to, I wish I could go back and fix, but it was what it was. Um, all in all, it was, a I, I grew, I grew as an actor and I grew as a, as a, as a person. So that's what I'm looking for. So if you know what I want from cast and directors or my team is, I want to be told you're not right for it. And then, like, give me James Bond then, because I tell you now, after going through Midnight Mass, I'll fucking rip that role apart. I'll I'll drown under the weight of the expectation of being the first brown person to play that character. Um, I'm 35. What was it? Daniel Craig was 38 when he did Casino Royale. Um, I like I like feeling that way. I like being doubted, and I like being told I can't do something. So that's Bond. what I want. Whatever. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, I'm and just... I, 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 will, I will go for it. I like it now. I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to being miserable and crying myself to sleep. And, <laughs> and I'm like, that's art. That's how it should feel.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. All right, final question. Okay. Uh, to end the Midnight Mass, spoiler special, what yeah. is your take on the ending? What happens to the angel?
3: You know, oh, he Jesus- never made it
2: okay burnt up erin gets her moment if he doesn't then what she die for erin clips that angel's wings it never makes it it burns up and i think it also burns up and i think we know it burns up i don't think it's subjective because as soon as it burns up Lisa can feel her legs and is i think you? its influence is it's 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 lessened
0: interesting because you know i mean obviously you're aware of the big debate about whether it escapes or not because i think there was an argument that the the angel represents fanaticism and fanaticism obviously you know if it gets wiped out somewhere it will inevitably spring up against again somewhere else and so the angel does escape and actually lisa feeling her legs again is because as um as Sarah, the doctor, points out, you know, once you're not drinking any more blood, yeah. you cle- your system cleanses itself. And so actually, the vampire's blood has worked its way through. And so that's why she feels her legs.
2: Yeah. But I think that the fact that it happens almost immediately as the sun rises, I think there is a bond of drinking someone's blood and having that blood through you. And I, I, I think it's, I know it's dead. I always do that to people when they speculate and I go, yeah, but I know because though, I thought I, I, I fucking know because I was in it. But, but I thought fanaticism, I didn't think the angel represented fanaticism. Crockett Island represented fanaticism, Bev, uh-huh. father, Paul, the spread the the, 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 they took something which clearly wasn't representing Christianity or anything yeah. remotely angelic and bent it to their will the angel just represents a trend. It's the coronavirus. It's a political ideal. It's abortion. It's crime. It's whatever. It's a vessel for whatever our hot topic is. And the hot topic on Crockett Island is, is seven foot skinny naked dude drinks blood. What is it? And it gets completely politicized. You know, Hassan's take will be completely different from what their take is and Sarah's take is and what Father Paul wants it to be and the Angels are relevant. it's more about how we take these things and weaponize it and, and create the divide uh, to serve our own benefits. and if Crockett Island existed and the angel did die, there'd be something new on the island the next time. We don't know, but it would it will happen again and yeah
0: So the angel dies, and that's why Lisa can feel her legs again. that's yeah
4: you I know. Reckon. No, no, no,
0: no not that bit, not
2: that bit. I, I don't, I don't, I know that the angel definitely dies because there's no way we would rob Erin of that. Erin mm. does what she's yeah. supposed to do. I don't think it's Inception with the wobble thing. Like, I think, you know, that's, we would never rob our lead of that moment. Mm. Um, I think, that's where I will say I think. I think that Lisa immediately feels a disconnect because the angel's hold over the island and its, and its influence and its blood has Is dissipated there's a almost a bond it's almost like why father paul says he felt that oh yeah no i do know i'm right by the way go on so it's because father paul says he doesn't know why but he felt riley die he knew riley burnt up do you remember that
4: yeah yeah yeah, i don't know
2: I, i feel it and i think there is a bond and a link between each other once they've all consumed from the same thing, they share a certain, I don't want to say uh, it's a good word for it, the force. They, <laughs> they share something in their midi-chlorians amongst themselves. And I think that's when it severs. I think if, if they hadn't have burnt up and the angel was dead, I think they would have all severed that connection. And it would have maybe changed how they were aging as well, or at least, or at least um, sped it up, the, the kind of um, returning back to normal. So as much as, like Father Paul knew that Riley went, I think once the angel's gone, Lisa almost feels something's
0: changed inside of her. I'll take it. Yeah, I love it. I, I love it. Yeah. The angel yeah. dies then. The <laughs> angel does not escape. That's what I think. It's what you know. No, well, it's I, what yeah. you think. Yeah, it's what no, you No, I think. know. I just
2: don't. <laughs> I think the leg thing's related to the angel, but I know the angel's dead. There has to be.
0: <laughs> uh, Rahul, This has been an absolute pleasure, man. Oh, likewise, mate. Honestly, I've been just, I've been dying to have this conversation just from the minute I finished watching it. Um, So it's just been, you know, it's been one of those shows that I think as more and more people are watching it. I mean, people are watching it already, but every person I'm speaking to is now like, yeah, I've seen it. Let's talk about it. This is a big thing. It's an important thing.
2: I'd have been worried if you didn't circle back and pick me up on on talking about it because that would have been <laughs> an, uh, a great review. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate it. Like I've been whole uh, uh, I knew when I was talking to you on, on the on the first podcast, uh, I just had a. I, I felt very confident. I was like, I think you're going to dig it. I think you're going to want to talk.
0: Mm. Um, I remember. I remember you saying. I remember you going. I think people are really, really going to like this. And obviously you couldn't say anything, but I I don't know whether you could have actually anticipated, you know, because it's not an overstatement. And obviously you're aware of it, like we said, on social media. There has been an outpouring of love and respect for this show, possibly far beyond, I think you could have imagined. But not beyond Squid Game. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking
4: brilliant, right?
0: I wouldn't
2: fucking watch (laughs) until Mike tweeted, Squid Game's good. Because I'm so loyal. If Mike said, never fucking watch Squid Game while you're a member of my cast, I'd never have seen it. Because I'd die for that, man. But as soon as he tweeted, he texted me, he went, it's really good. I was like, (laughs) fuck it. So now I'm on episode four or five or something. But yeah,
4: it's good. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's good. We'll do it. We could do a spoiler special on Squid Game one day. (laughs) Hey, listen, you look after yourself, man. Really good to speak to you. And good luck with whatever you're doing next. I can't wait to talk to you next time, man.
2: Absolutely. Whatever it is, I'm down. We'll talk.
0: Nice
4: indeed.
5: and 365 day returns.
0: Hello, Alex Zane here. Thank you for choosing to listen to just the facts. And while you can still enjoy these episodes forever, you might want to check out our brand new show, A Trip to the Movies, where each week, a different famous film fan curates their perfect night out at the cinema, picking what snacks they'd eat, where they'd sit, who they'd go with, and of course, what movies they'd screen. If you love cinema as much as we do, search a trip to the movies with Alex Zane, or head to our socials at Trip to Movies Pod. That's at Trip to Movies Pod to find out more.